Hello, everyone. My name is Hannah White, and I am the host of 1801 Live. And my name is Lyric Swinson, and I am the host of the Patchwork Feminist. Together, we partnered in order to host a 24-hour podcast-a-thon to raise money for the COVID-19 Relief Fund. While we were raising money for our fellow Gamecocks, we had help from a lot of special guests to help us raise $3,575.22. Guests included WLTX news anchor Darcy Strickland, Mayor of Columbia Steve Benjamin, Gamecock women's basketball head coach Don Staley, former Gamecock football quarterback Perry Orth, former UFSC student body president Joteka Eady, incoming UFSC provost Dr. William Tates, student body president Izzy Rushton, some of our very own university ambassadors, associate vice president of student life Dr. Anna Edwards, current speaker of the student senate J.D. Jacobus, and student body treasurer Hayden Askew, U of SC president Bob Castlin, vice president of student affairs Dr. Dennis Pruitt, SC political strategist and Gamecock alumni Corey Alpert, Lauren Harper, and Taylor Wright, in addition to the Helensky family, including Kim, Mark, and Ryan, representing the Helensky's Hope Foundation, as well as Shannon Henry, Jordan Dinsmore, and Olivia Hasler, representing SASCO, and several domestic violence prevention initiatives. You can listen to us talk to a bunch of these guests uh, via the Password Feminist or 1801 Live, which is available on all platforms, including Apple, Google Playlist, and Spotify. Thank you so much to Garnet Media Group for making all of this possible and enjoy listening to what was 24 hours of a lot of fun, a lot of information, and a lot of service to our fellow Gamecocks, forever to be. Go Gamecocks. Say hi, officer. All right. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. (laughs) Thanks, Tay. Hi, Cor. Hi, Hannah. You look beautiful. uh, (laughs) We're we're a little tired, but you know what? We just got off the phone with um, Dennis Pruitt, and we showed our match. Our goal or our amount right now is fifteen oh one. And so he just matched it. So now wow. I have $3,002. That's awesome. Well, I don't know if I met, I, I know Lauren and um and I know Taylor uh, very well, but I haven't met you officially. So it's great to meet you. I've heard many great things. I've heard this is going to be a fun hour. You as well. You as well. Uh, everyone I know has said incredible things. And congratulations on, uh, on the win and, and on coming into office. Thank you. Oh, wait, that was good. That was a minute. Lyric, you're on mute. You're on mute. I said, I said that was less than a minute. Oh, okay. okay. What's up? Hey! I haven't seen y'all in so long. I miss y'all. I saw you literally last week. <laughs> <laughs> it was in passing. It was in passing. 
gosh, how is it? Taylor, you know, there's something. If you could tell me what I'm thinking, I'd give you $5. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it what we talked about yesterday? Oh, no. Oh. Seeing you on the screen, what do you think I'm thinking? That I look old? I don't know. Mm-mm. Something about the way you look, though. <laughs> Oh, my hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got a haircut. Oh, oh no. It's no, okay. but we all look bad. I've been, I've been laughing at Mayor Benjamin on his gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> He's very self-conscious. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, let me stop. We live. Let me stop. Hey, no one has a messed up haircut like my old boss, so. Oh, bless it. Well, I thought, well, like, texting Holiday and, like, getting a tutorial on how to do it. Like, I need some help. Before we uh, start cutting up, um, um, Dr. Pruitt, he just got off, and he was just like, he hopes that y'all, we're all still friends after this. He said, this is going to be a, a funny group, um, everybody. But um, please introduce yourselves. Like, I know who you are, um, and Hannah knows who y'all are, but please um, introduce yourselves, and please don't be humble. I mean, what? Uh, yeah, please, like, I, I can already feel like don't downplay it. I need I need the people to know exactly how awesome each of you are. So thanks in advance. What order? Let's go with Corey first. Let's go alphabetical. Alrighty. My name is Corey Alpert. Uh, I graduated in 2017. Um, I was a sociology and Russian major at the University of South Carolina. Uh, I worked for a couple of years uh, with Mayor Benjamin uh, on his political side, uh, and then was a consultant for a while uh, in politics. I worked on congressional races in uh, five states, gubernatorial races in two, um, and worked across the country on, on a handful of races. Um, for the last year and a half, I've been working with Mayor Pete Buttigieg as his chief of staff in North and South Carolina, uh, and now I'm a consultant uh, working on a handful of uh, interesting new projects. Mm-hmm. Lauren, I-, I had to do alphabetical in my head. <laughs> I was good too. <laughs> I had to do. I was like, right or t- okay? I'm, I'm <laughs> um, hi, people. <clears throat> Excuse me. My name is Lauren Harper. I was a public relations major with a marketing cognate at the University of South Carolina. I graduated in 2016 from USC, and after graduating, I worked for Mayor Steve Benjamin as well. I think we've got a little theme here. Um, (laughs) I was his communications and policy advisor for three years, Um, absolutely loved it, and then I took the role of state director for former Congressman Beto O'Rourke's presidential um, campaign here in South Carolina. And I now have a political and public affairs consulting firm called City Bright LLC, where I consult for political candidates and do um, political strategy and policy and fundraising. Woo! Well, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> You're the youngest one, Tay. Come on. Yeah, there. Okay, we'll go with that. But uh, Taylor Wright, I graduated from USC last year, last year, mm-hmm. um, with a degree in public health. Um, while I was there, uh, got to do a lot of cool stuff, working with Corey and Lauren, uh, Corey with voter registration. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. I would lead the way. I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. Um, and then I got to be student body president my last year, which was a, a really cool opportunity. Um, 
then after I graduated, went over to Mayor Benjamin's office, <laughs> just naturally. Um, and that's where I am now uh, as his special assistant, which I'm really not sure what that means, but uh, just a little bit, a little bit of everything. So <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing now. Um, you go ahead, Hannah. Okay, for someone that does not know, um, I do not know Corey very well, just heard many great things about you, but a theme, of course, you guys all have worked under Mayor Benjamin, alumni of the university, and relatively graduated in close years, but exactly how did you um, all meet or connect? Um, Mary and I, throughout the podcast, have been talking about the strong lineage, not just of um, African-American student leaders, but just leaders in general that we have here at USC. So how did you guys make that connection? Corey's not black? Corey, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. We need to stay awake, so come on. Lauren, how did you and I meet? You was probably doing something Excellent. <laughs> um, I think we met when you were on the elections commission, Corey, for student government, because I was running Lindsay's campaign for yeah. student president. And you just kept popping up into my life randomly. And we eventually, <laughs> we eventually became really good friends. And now we eat hummus together um, every week. That's true. Good life. Um, and then Taylor actually volunteered on my campaign when I ran for student body president uh, back in the <laughs> yeah. day. Um, and then, if I remember the story correctly, although I think Taylor has a slightly different version of the story, uh, I politely asked him to uh, be a part of, of something that I was uh, working on. And then it eased him into a whole bunch of work that, uh, that lasted for about three years. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite memory of when Taylor and I were working together, though, was uh, nothing on titles and things just kind of happened. And Taylor was doing an interview. We were in the middle of flood relief. Uh, and they, the reporter asked him what, what he did. And he just looks at the reporter and goes, I, I, I work with Corey. I don't know. <laughs> I was like a freshman. I had no idea what I was doing. So, Corey, what happened was I was in freshman council and I wanted to do voter oh, yeah. I want like I wanted my thing to be voter registration. Like I was like hyped up. Like, like I'm gonna start a whole like voter registration initiative. So I talked to Molly, who was the graduate assistant at the time, and she was like, "Oh wait, Corey's already doing this." So <laughs> that's how I. Then I reached out to you and was like, "Hey, like I want to help with this." And 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 here we are, still still dealing with Corey three years later. Um, I, was, uh, I was part of Rocro uh, Rejects Club, so I applied for professional council and did not make it. I got rejected as well. Same. Taylor, I think you're the only one. I don't no, know. Yeah. Yeah. Rocro, uh, Taylor, Taylor and I, we're always in the same circle, so every time, that's why I don't even mention Froco, because every time I mention Froco, there's someone else that got rejected, and it's like, oh, that's weird, so I well, that's why. advisors were trash, okay? That's why we expanded it. We had good advisors, and they made it bigger, and they got talent like Hannah. So. They did. Now, now, I'm going to be honest. That was the best Froco year we've ever had. Um, Hannah, Aiden, Raylan. Uh, that was the best year ever. That was a good year. Okay. Um, I moved on to bigger and better things. I was, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I moved on. Maybe not bigger or better. <laughs> 
So I met Corey while I was volunteering for Columbia Relief. And um, I remember I used to name the clothes to make time go by faster. Um, so I'll say, like, hmm, this sweater looks like a Gretchen. And uh, this, these pants look like a bob. Like, you know, things like that. Like, um, and, and so that's how. Did you meet any Karens? Oh, we, uh, we met plenty of Karens. Do you remember um, the dolls? <laughs> Do you remember the dolls? Oh, my gosh, yes. And, like, it was so much weird stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, we spent so many times in those warehouses and things. Like, um, I think me and Corey, we realized that we both have a very, very, very dark sense of humor. <laughs> and then, so, um, that's how we met. And I remember I met, so I knew of Lauren for a long time. The first time I actually remember having, like, enough confidence to speak to Lauren was actually um, at Jim Clyburn's Fish Fry. And I don't know if you remember this, but I went up to you. I was just like, I have to like a fan of everything you're doing, blah, blah. And you just, like, you were, you smiled. I, I know you were just like, what's wrong with me? And, but eventually, like, we went to Marble Slab, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you're really cool. And then, like, now um, I get to do amazing work with you um, at uh, for City Bright, where, and I'm, I want to talk about that later with Taylor about how did we catch the political bug, because neither of us um, ever were supposed to end up in this. Um, and so I met... Taylor, uh, <laughs> um, I actually didn't like Taylor when I met him. Um, oh. No, we like you either, Lyric. And that's fine. No, I, went, I went up to Lyric on Green Street. <laughs> he had a little banner. You know, I was being nice. I said, okay, let me sign the banner. Lyric looked at me with a death stare. Like, if you do not get out of my face. <laughs> I said, all right. I changed my Like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Like, one of the only other black people in student government. And, like, I'm, well, one of the only ones that I acknowledge. And, and like, let's be clear. <laughs> um, that was a shot. Uh, but let's talk about it. Let's talk and about it. I, mean, I, I, barely, <laughs> I, barely, I barely even like you. And then I just remember, um, eventually, like, I when I, but I found out that you were on cabinet. You were the only person who would come to my events. Um, and then you prove yourself to be consistent. When I found out you were running for president, I said, okay, I'm on board. And then, so, you know, I, I got Buck on behalf of that campaign um, in the Black USC group chat and a couple other places, and I've been delivered from that lifestyle. But I just, that was a time. And then eventually I ended up serving, I ended up serving on Taylor's cabinet, um, and he kind of let me re- revamp what inclusion equity looks like in student government. But at that point, like, we were cool, but we wasn't really friends like that. Like, I, I mean, like, I was cool. We could kick it. Um, but, like, not really. Like, I ain't like you like that. <laughs> when you – we went to SEC Exchange. And plus that summer, like, I would come – when I was interning at the Cogar Center, I would uh, hang out in the office a lot over the summer. But when we went to SEC Exchange and everybody went to sleep and we had that conversation in the car, I was like, okay, Taylor's kind of cool. Like, he's actually not that bad. Um, and then, like, um, not that bad. my junior year, senior year – um, we ended up going almost everywhere together, all the events, sitting in all these meetings together, and then, like, we ended up becoming, like, real friends, and then, like, then once you graduate, I was like, maybe Taylor don't like me like that, but I was like, oh, we real friends! Um, friends. So, like, yeah, that's how I met, um, everybody, and so... I forgot about your, I forgot about your foolishness in the Black U.S. Secret until just now. Sometimes I, you know, I, there's a little... No, Hannah. Hannah. 
We'll talk offline. There's a little there's a little group me tool that you can use and if you search by date. So sometimes occasionally when I want to see about how far the Lord has delivered me, I'll go back and I'll I'll read some of those messages and I said, Oh that was that Taylor, you know, that was a time. Like that was a time, like, I, and the amount of the crazy thing, like to this day, is the amount of white people that come up to me and say, like, I remember what you said in the Black USC group chat. <laughs> I said, How do you know? They said, Oh no, everybody knew. <laughs> um, shots are everywhere. The screenshots. And so yeah, he's yeah. the redeemer. Amen. Um, and you know, sometimes I still occasionally have to gather, uh, you know, gather people. Uh, like I'm in the spirit of gathering. Um, just gathering people sometimes. You got to do that. Um, and then me and Taylor, I remember at the beginning of that year, of last year, we made a pact. Like, we were really like, we're going to make sure that these group of freshman council kids, particularly like um, these minority students, like, they're going to be better than us. And I mean, like, we were completely blown away with who we got, like, uh, um, Aiden, Raylan, um, and Hamp, obviously. Um, Hannah, um, who ended up coming from um, that freshman council class, and I remember the day that me and me and Taylor met Hannah's mom. Do you remember that? Day? <laughs> Nika, Nika was so. <laughs> uh, so it was home. It was homecoming. And one, like I, I think I saw Taylor. I told you so much that day. I got sick of you, and um, we started off that morning at the Richard T. Greener breakfast. Um, and then I met Joteka Edie that morning. Um, and then we went to the, we went to the mixer that night and then I'm at the mixer and then who was the old chair of black alumni council? Ross and Hassan, Hassan, Hassan. Hassan. Uh, yeah. Um, and so like people were talking to you, but they didn't know, like nobody knew who I was. So I was just kind of like uh, looking around, like, why am I here? And then Hassan is like, what do you want to go into? I said, I think, I don't know what I want to do in my life. I think I want to go into the diversity and inclusion field. And then I remember she, he says, I have the perfect person for you to talk to. I have the perfect person to talk to. I said, okay, cool. So I start, um, he introduced me to this woman. I start talking to her. And then she was like, oh my gosh, you want to go to diversity and inclusion? I said, yeah, I'm secretary of inclusion, equity, and student government. She says, oh my gosh, my daughter's in student government, but she's a freshman. So you probably don't know her. I said, you know what? Try me. Uh, she said, Hannah White, I said, shut up. I didn't mean to tell your mama to shut up. <laughs> I did not mean to tell your mama to shut up. But I said, shut up. She said, wait, what'd you say your name was? I said, my name was Lyric. She said, you're Lyric. Hannah talks about you all the time. And then I said, oh my gosh. I said, and then I think I yelled across the room because you know, tact isn't something I have a lot of. And I said, Taylor. I said, this Hannah mama. And then... Um, she said, tell her, oh my gosh. And then she said, I have to take a picture. I have to take a picture. Cause I said, I said, you know, Hannah's not going to believe me when I say, um, when I, I say I'm here with her friends. And so she took a selfie and then like, I think Hannah texted me like, LOL, why are you with my mom? And <laughs> yeah, like that's my, she's my freshman council mentee. So yeah, that's kind of how everything came full circle in that aspect. I'm trying to think about like my my thoughts of like I don't have like a part like this was my thoughts for Corey's this podcast but as far as everyone knows um, specifically Lauren and Taylor I feel like I've spent my spill on how I met you here like all throughout this however many hours I don't know what hour we're on now but we can start with 
I mean, we can start with Taylor. So Taylor, I was in freshman council, of course, and I just knew at the time, like, my mom was being nice. I'm like, mm, only thing I know is being nice. Whose secretary is being nice or what do y'all have going on? And Daylin, pro co-director, he was like, there's an I and me, and that's, like, my best friend. So he introduced me to Lyric. Um, but then that's really all there was to it for a while, I think. And then Lyric, I think either Taylor reached out to me or Lyric told me that you were going to reach out to me. And you were like, yeah. I don't remember what it was, but it was like ambassadors and freshman council, just to talk about both of those. And so that's how we started. But honestly, like, I, I, I felt somewhat type of way against you, Taylor. But it was nothing. It was, I mean, it was just like all this. Hey, I don't know. Hannah has been holding off and on grudges against Taylor for like. And Taylor knows this. And Taylor uh, knows this. He's so and no, we're good now. We're good now. Especially now that like I've got elected. I understand. Like, Anna gets like, mad it. when I don't respond to her in 30 seconds. I'm like, no. I'm and Lyric, you know what it is. She does. It would be. She no. Lyric, she, he will never respond back. Taylor would never, ever respond now, back. Taylor, you Mind know. you. And let me give you just a key example. You know. I decide, because, I mean, and then Lear can tell you, I didn't know, like, I don't know anyone else, but I didn't know I was running um, at the beginning of this year, like, this year. Uh, you you would have told me I'm going to run. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're crazy. But um, I decided to do it. But through that, I'm nervous. I'm still like, oh, is this a good decision or not? I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, banner, okay? Already nervous. I mean, as a black woman, hair, like, I'm doing natural hair. I don't know what it's looking like. I'm like, this, let me just figure it out. So I send, or Lyric helps me with the banner. It's like, you know what? Send it to Taylor. Taylor might know. I send my banner to Taylor, and I'm like, what do you think? He doesn't answer. I send another picture. Like, two different, two different drafts, guys. What do you think? No answer. It's like... Hey. No, I meant to like, respond no, to you. No, it's, like it's a month later. It's a month later. We have the banners in my living room. And he texted he text me and Lyric on some, like, something that my mom tweeted about. And I was like, so you can... And Hannah flipped when I said, she said, Lyric, I don't want to hear, Taylor is not my mentor. <laughs> I was like, no, he can never try to say, like, he's trying to help me. And the thing is, because he was boosting it, guys, he was like, if you ever need anything, I'm there. If you need questions, I got just text me. It's a simple text. I did, I did that twice. And, um... Yeah, you left me on red. Or I don't even know. I don't know if you read it because you know you you don't have to read it. So I don't know if you read it or not. But I just know that a month later I got another text um, about something totally different. Uh, no, see, this is just not true. It's not true. It's true. So I, so what what happened with the banners? I mentally responded. I feel like they could pull some receipts on you, Tay. Don't do this. Anna definitely keeps receipts. This is not the fight you want to. Or in a court, y'all y'all know how you see a mess and you mentally respond. Like I was like, oh, those are don't good. Don't track in, yes, I'm just observing. No, actually, I don't. I don't do that. I have my re receipts on, so if I had read your message, I'm not responding. If I look at it and look away. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's why. I text Lauren every 10 seconds if she doesn't respond. That, this is also very true. Well, see, that's growth. That's what I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> I have room for growth. Just do what I used to do with Mayor Benjamin and just, like, physically go find him if he isn't responding to your text. That's true. I, that still has to be done. <laughs> so I have a it's question. like an email. Like, when you, when you don't have, when you have your emails 
you can't put a text message back on unread like you can your email. So if you put all of your text messages with your read receipts, and so that forces you that when you open it the first time, you can't unopen it again. You know. Yes. I told totally Lyric that. I told Lyric that I was like, um, well, you said make it unread, but I told Lyric there should be like a flag for text messages, yes, like yes. a flagging system. Apple, if you're listening to this, um, I feel like that would be a great feature to add on your next update. I'm with that. I'm totally with you. Um, I have a so I have a question. Um, Taylor, I want you to I want you to answer this last because I think like your situation is like most similar to mine, but it, in this aspect. But I don't think I've asked either you or Lauren or Corey this, but was politics always your intention, and was it always your ambition? And so I always I like to ask people, how did you catch the bug? Um, Hannah says she she's never gonna catch the bug, but like. And it's trying to make money, that's why. I think after this podcast thought some of these people that she's been talking to, I think she might catch the bug one day. But we're not gonna worry about that right now. But Lauren and Corey right now, like, how did you catch the bug and was this always your intention? Lauren? I was gonna tell you what it first. Um <laughs> So it's actually funny. So I had a, I did a, a show with um, my friend, uh, Mayor Terrence Colbert, um recently, and he's asked me the same question. I realized I don't really talk about it that much, but I had zero intentions of getting into politics. I was a public relations major, and I thought that I was going to do something like, I don't know, healthcare communications or um, work in Silicon Valley doing um, startup tech communications because I worked for a, a, tech, a tech startup company my senior year of college. Um, and then um, I had interned with a lot of people in undergrad. Um, I, I had a ridiculous amount of internships um, in undergrad for some reason because I would just, I would just meet people all the time and um, work for them. So um, one of those people was uh, Sam Johnson, who introduced me to um, now Senator Mia McLeod. She was a representative at the time, and um, I worked for her. And I have a picture on my phone um, on my Instagram from five years ago. And it says, uh, uh, who knew, um, working for uh, Representative Mia McLeod, I fell in love with politics. Who knew that would happen? Um, because I, like, legitimately had no um, no intentions, no background of it or anything else. So working for Mia, um, working for the mayor, and working for, um, you know, different folks around Columbia doing campaign stuff, uh, it happened. So it was an accident. But by the grace of God, it happened. Um. I sort of kept going back and forth. I uh, was really interested in politics at, when I was in high school. Um, my sister is in politics, uh, and, and I think everyone in here knows my sister really well. Uh, and um, so that was sort of my, my first interest was, you know, just trying to, like, see what my sister did every day. And uh, public service, or not necessarily politics, is, is in my family. My uh, grandfather was a diplomat. My dad uh, is a professor and, and works for the DOJ. Uh, so I was always kind of interested. Um, I mean, for a couple of years, I just left it. I was in theater. I was a traveling stage manager. I worked with a circus, uh, all kinds of, of, of craziness. And then, uh, you know, I was on the elections commission, uh, and, I, and I thought that's where I was going to be. I, I thought I was going to be in kind of the election administration space and in politics, that's what I'm most interested in is voting rights and, and uh, voter engagement. But uh, then by an absolute accident, and, and I mean that 
very, very sincerely, it, it was an accident. Uh, I led the flood relief effort in 2015. Um, I had a Facebook post go viral, and then all of a sudden I was in charge. And from that, I, I realized this might be the thing that I want to do. Uh, and then had some really, really incredible opportunities and, and was very, very lucky to be at, at Carolina where uh, they were willing to invest. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the, you were, you were talking about Dr. Pruitt earlier, and I hope he's listening because um, uh, USC invests, invests so much in their students. And that, that's sort of why I got to know why, why I was mingling with politics. But I was definitely known as the problem child, uh, at least among the student leaders. And I had an email, a template email saved in my, out, in my inbox that said, Dear Dr. Pruitt, I apologize for insert problem here. I will work on this in the future. Like some other sentence, I look forward to talking with you about this. And I would send that about once a week where, you know, I wasn't allowed to like text past TVs or I wasn't allowed to lie to the room reservation people because I needed a room and they weren't giving it to me. So I pretended to be someone else. Um, like, you know, minor things like that. Uh, but yeah, like once a week, we just have to send that email. Um, but I think through all that, I realized like, you know, politics is the art of, of making something possible. And, you know, we created some really awesome things on campus and in the community. And through all those, I, I realized like this is absolutely the thing that, that I want to spend the rest of my life doing is making those opportunities and those, those efforts possible for, for as many people as you can. Um, so before we go on to Taylor, Taylor, I was there the day that you got the call from med school. Um, I, I, I was sitting in the LSU that day. I saw the video saved in my phone of Erin Woods losing her mind. And I remember when you said, like, you were not going to med school, I said, this man is crazy. Well, I said, I remember saying, like, like, I don't even, I'm not sure if I know Taylor like that. I thought I knew him, but clearly he's crazy. Like, they're stupid. Like, and at that point, you didn't even know what you were going to do yet. And I was like, you're absolutely crazy. Um, but once you catch the bug, like, it's really, like, no going back. Um, and so, like, you're, you were public health BS. So talk a little bit about, like, how you caught the bug. Yeah. So, actually, I came into USC as a biology major. So I was... Uh, I was doing that, and then I wanted to do, uh, I was thinking about orthopedic surgery. Uh, I had interned with Dr. Guy and a few of the surgeons, and it was just really interesting. I like sports. Um, so I told my advisor I wanted to switch to exercise science. Uh, but in order to do that, you have to go to, like, a information session or whatever. So I did that, and in the info session, they talk about both, like, exercise science and public health because it's all the same college. And so that's the first time I ever heard of public health. So then I was like, oh, I kind of like public health because, you know, it's more like community oriented and um, I really care about the community. Um, so that's kind of how it changed my major. But even going back earlier than that, like, I think I was always interested in politics, but didn't really know I was interested in politics. I mean, I would keep up with you know, like Obama's election. And one of my favorite things to do was like go look up campaign ads just because they were so interesting. And it's just like it's just fun to see like how they put clips together and how it all comes together and tell the narrative. So that was really cool. Um, and then I was student body president in high school and I still didn't really think I was interested in politics. It was just kind of a kind of push to do it. Um, and it just seemed cool. Um, but I think one of the, one of the moments for me that kind of caught me is 
I was a freshman, I guess, when the midterms was at U.S. was a the presidential midterms was happening. Um, I was I was actually in the LSC, um, probably doing homework, and I had a I had my laptop up, and I have a boys I had a Boise State sticker on my laptop, and one of the interns at MSNBC like was walking around literally looking for people to be on TV to talk about the midterms. Uh, at the time, I was you know like for Hillary, um, and she was like. You know, I saw a boy say sick, and she's like, I feel like you're interested in politics. Like, what do you want to be on MSNBC? I was like, sure. I had to miss my lab, like, and I didn't miss class at that time at all. So I was kind of freaking out about that. But I just kind of went forward, and that was cool. So I got through that. Aaron Green was actually on that with me. He was uh, talking about Bernie, and I was talking about Hillary. So that was kind of the first time I met Aaron, um, which I think really kind of made us, like, we still have kind of a respect for each other, and he's really someone I kind of really learned from a lot. Um, and it's funny that our meeting was actually built in like opposition to each other, which is, which is pretty funny, but, um, but yeah, I decided, you know, I kind of, it was tough to, to pass up on, on med school. It's like, you have a certain thing for probably the next 10 years, like you're between med school and residency and, you know, fellowships, you're like set and you're comfortable and you know, what's going to happen. Um, so it was really hard to pass that up, but it just didn't, it just didn't feel right. And I just, I talked to a lot of people who had went to med school and who loved it. Some who went and dropped out, some who decided not to go. And I think the consensus was if you're not a hundred percent sure, then you just don't do it at the moment. And if you ever get to a point where you feel like there's nothing else that you feel like will make you satisfied, then, then you can go do it. Um, I think the average age to start med school was like 25 or something. So I, I felt comfortable like putting a pause on it. I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, <laughs> just kind of prayed about it and just was very vulnerable and talked to a lot of people and I was happy to get a few offers. But yeah, it was um, I caught I, I caught the bug kind of by complete accident. Um, I I was. So I like I'm sport entertainment management. So I came in here thinking I was going to be a sport agent, um, and then eventually, like I think around protest time, I remember I was all about. So I said I think I might just go work in nonprofit, like you know activism work and things of that nature. I was like I kind of like this like diversity inclusion work, and then I remember like we were, um, and then I went to SC um, Democratic Weekend, and like at the fish fry. I said, like, I remember um, I, was with, I, was, I was with Taylor. I said, hey, I kind of like it here. I said, like, it's fun. Like, I, I said, like, we're all, like, it's like a little secret society. Like, I, I, like, I, I know people. Like, it's, like, it's weird to, like, go to those things that actually know people. So I was, like, I like it here. Like, are things that, I mean, like, I remember I sat in the Planned Parenthood event. That was where I, I was hanging out with Izzy a lot that summer um, and Sawyer. And, and then, like, it was so cool. I, I was I was actually a volunteer at the fish fry, but I mean, I still wasn't sold. But I, and then when we re ran the pre, when we re ran, I had to run back to protest. And then um, Lauren and Corey were writing things so fast, and I'm like, oh, like they do this, like for real, for real, like they 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 do this. And I mean, like Taylor, me, and you were always in contact, and then um, hint. Hannah was like making sure that I was alive because I was just a zombie for um during that period of time, over the summer and I just remember um we were doing 
people were like setting up the pot the um i was talking to different people and people were setting up like the the press conferences and things like that and i think that's when it hit me the people who were doing all those things setting up these press conferences none of these people were over the age of 25 um and they were all from usc and i I think like megan durant at the time who was able to get a lot of that done from scdp i think megan was like maybe 21 or 22 something like that at that point and i said huh i think like one it could really um i think i I might be able to kind of like do this but I, I, i still was unsure and then I remember Taylor used to, I used to go almost everywhere with you to like a lot of people like you met, et cetera, et cetera. And like, you know, continue to like meet people along the way. And then like, I remember like I, I went and had, I went to Marble Slab with Lauren and then like, you know, me and Corey always stayed in contact. And then I think somewhere in the middle of the year, I said, I think I'm kind of stuck here. And I remember, I, I, I think I, I remember at the end of that summer, I went to hunter gatherer with Rachel Stein after work. And then we, I, I bought a beer and then like, she sat down, she said, you caught the bug, didn't you, sweetie? <laughs> I, said, I, I think I did. Um, and so I've been stuck ever since. And, but I, I've had like really great people. Um, Lauren and Corey kind of set me up for sure. Um, Corey like had me meeting candidates um, as early as January uh, as early as January of 2019, like uh, just meeting candidates and different people of that nature. Like I introduced Pete like twice and I just kept meeting people. And then um, I went to with Lauren to like uh, an event and I met all these other, like all these black female state directors of campaigns. And I think that was the moment. And that was the same night that I found out that I got Forbes. Um, cause me and um, Lauren, we're in the Bojangles parking lot. Bruh, I thought somebody had died. <laughs> I'm ordering. I'm, in, I'm literally ordering cheese fillet biscuit and Lyrica Supreme combo, and she screams, and I was like, Are you does okay? that. She does that. I thought, like, I thought that something had happened, and I was like, Lyric. She's like, I got Forbes. I was like, Oh, thank God, nobody died. Like, what are you doing? Like, can't be doing that to people. But that was, that was the day that everything kind of came full circle. I mean, like, I had been working on Gamecocks Engage that summer and bringing, like, different campaigns to campus. And I remember um, I was like, I think, like, I kind of like this. Like, I, I really like this. And But, no, that event, uh, we went, when we went to Claflin, I think that was the first time. I, and somebody said, Joe Taka said it earlier, like, you can't be what you can't see. And, like, when I was able to visualize it, the rest was interesting. That's real. Well, I, I, I like to, to just make a distinction <clears throat> because um, Corey and I actually talked about this the other day. You know, Corey, we have some really deep, strange conversations, but they're always good. Um, but we talked about how I think a lot of people forget that the essence of politics is supposed to be public service, right? And so we talk about, you know, we all are in politics. We all are in politics. We all are in politics. And politics has such a dirty connota- a negative connotation these days that people are like, oh, you're a, pol- a politician or you're a politico or you're, I can't, I, can't, I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, one, like, we cannot ignore the realities that we face every day um, and try to escape them through other means. Because even if you try to escape into things like, you know, media or, you know, entertainment or sports, you're still going to face politics and those things. Um, but like the essence of politics is still public service. When the founders created, you know, the country, they didn't create the concept of a career politician. They just created the office. 
And so the fact that obviously people are career politicians has just been kind of like a repercussion of what was established in the beginning. But politics in itself is not supposed to be something that's negative or bad or whatever it is. And obviously we know that. But I think a lot of people miss that um, because I am a public servant at heart. I loved working for the people of the city of Columbia, and I still do, you know, to this day, and the people of South Carolina. When I became state director, I was looking out for like, wow, I get to be the voice of the people of South Carolina for what policies this potential president may put in place. You know, so it's like, I think we need to remember, like, all of us have public service at our hearts because we love the people of the state. Absolutely. Um, and I think, um, I actually, what was really cool was uh, I met Ayanna Presley. Um, it was like, I met her, uh, I want to say, was it February or March? And no, it was definitely February because March was, you know, given we gave that to Miss Rona. But um, she said something to me, and then, I, like, the question was, like, for a young black woman getting into politics, like, what would you say? And she said, follow the work, not the positions. Um, follow the titles. I mean, and it was such simple advice, but I think that was something, because I, I was trying to decide, like, do I want to stay in Columbia? Because I, I really felt like a lot of work that I wanted to do was so unfinished, even though, like, you know, I've been able to do some cool things here. Or, or do I feel like, go out, should I go to D.C. because everybody else is doing it? Because I feel like that's what I should want to do. And, like, that kind of, like, helped me, like, really kind of shape. Um, because I think, like, I was kind of, like, getting wrapped up in, like, the titles of it all and um, versus the service because I was kind of scared of, like, um, can I do what everybody else is doing, blah, blah, blah. But, like, that was really good advice that I got um, as far as, like, always following the work and, like, the issues that set your heart on fire and just wanting to being a servant above all and, like, really wanting to make a difference in the world. So definitely agree with that. Y'all are the most interesting people I know, and, like, I can't believe that y'all were just uh, quiet for just now. Um, That was deep. I was looking it in. Oh, Taylor, please. And Lauren, I was like, I was... I Taylor, the crazy thing is like so funny um, because Lauren, Lauren and Corey are older um, than um, we are, so I we I never got to go to school with y'all officially, but like it's so funny because like Taylor has like a reputation like some people who didn't know you that well like they think that you're so quiet and stiff and like um, I mean stiff maybe. Um, quiet, if maybe quiet, no, but like you are one of the shadiest people that I literally know. I don't mean shady as far as like you know, like you know, like behind your back type shady, but you throw shade like better than almost anyone I know. Um, Taylor, like truly, and like the things that you say are truly like wow. Um, and I really wish people would know how funny you are because like some people really don't think they don't like. Was Taylor like really that cool, et cetera? I was like Taylor was the funniest person on this campus. Like the the shade is hereditary. It's from my mother. <laughs> it's, it's not it's probably not a positive, but No, like you really are so rude. Also in the in the YouTube live, um Jonathan Brown said hello, Taylor. Who? Jonathan Brown. <laughs> Why you also, just to like connect all these pieces for, for everyone listening, one thing that I don't think people don't fully understand about folks who work in politics is a lot of us are really good friends. And like, mm-hmm. this isn't some like surface level relationship where like you're on a panel with someone 14 times and you happen to get to know them. Like, 
like Lauren said, like she and I have lunch once a week. We're incredibly good friends. Taylor and I have been close for years. Lyric and I, for the last years, we've hit it off and worked on, on a lot of things. And, you know, Lauren and I worked on opposing presidential campaigns and, and still every week checked in and, and at events would leave our candidates and let them go do whatever they wanted to do and go hang out on their own. Um, to the point where one time my candidate asked me why I was leaving him. Um, but, you know, we, the relationships inside of politics, regardless of the candidate, regardless of the cause, you meet some of the best people in your life. And, you know, even leaving aside, like I said, leaving aside the candidates, you, you do the work because you're around people who inspire you and who are doing things that, that you didn't know how to do or that you didn't know that they were coming from a different perspective. Uh, you know, when Lauren and I have conversations and, and we'll come at things from a totally different perspective, but be working on the same thing, those are always the conversations that move me forward. Um, and, you know, we're, whenever I'm working on a new project, it's, I always wait until there's someone else where I can work with them and, and engage with them. You know, Lead the Way would not have happened. And Lead the Way was by far the most successful voter registration campaign in collegiate history in, in the state of South Carolina, but it wouldn't have happened had Taylor not jumped in because he was the one who went in and gave it a different perspective. And it wasn't just one person. And it, it had all these different aspects because we were able to bring in so many new people who were so enthusiastic about the work. Um, and same thing with, with flood relief at every iteration. It, we've now done it four times. And, you know, Lyric was really the heart and soul uh, last time we did it and gave it an entirely new perspective. Um, and that's why you continue to do this work. Uh, and, and there are some incredible people, uh, and, and I really don't know anyone in South Carolina politics who I wouldn't call a friend. Uh, and, and I think that that, uh, that really says a lot. One, that, that's unique to South Carolina, for sure. Uh, I have friends who've worked in other states where that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. But uh, for anyone who's interested in politics, you, know, you, you end up meeting people, and they're the ones that, that push you along. Uh, and open up those those doors and those opportunities for you. I remember um, what I told Lauren is like the reason why I was so interested in South Carolina politics was really because of the culture because like I remember like that fish fry like I like I, I will never forget that that fish fry was like it had at least like at that point you know like the, the stage was set there were what 14 people running for president at that time but like everybody was getting along so well. And I mean, like there was just such a culture of love and you'll see like the Bidens hu- hugging the Bernies and the Pete hugging the Beddows and the, the Marianne Williamson's just doing whatever it is that Marianne Williamson do. Jonathan Brown <laughs> candidate. You can't talk about, can't talk about Marianne. Um, Marianne, listen, Marianne <laughs> put a smile on my face many a times during the proper season. Okay. Um, I'm very thankful for her leadership. Uh, (laughs) Very thankful for her leadership. But like, even like, I think that when we went to, when Lauren and I went to Orangeburg and I think on that stage, seeing all those black women standing in solidarity, you had um, Jaleesa who was um, holding down the fort for the Kamala Harris campaign and Lauren at 25 being up there uh, for Beto and then like you had to have like Crystal Spain like for Cory Booker and I mean Simone Sanders for Joe Biden I mean and it was all these people Lisa Albergati for Elizabeth Warren yes and they were all I think was there for Mm -hmm. a lot of women there 
And they were all just like Hooper and the Holler and having a great time. I'm talking about like laughing on stage and just like everybody is smiling and like and nobody I I think that they waited until like the end to even talk about like, you know, their specific candidates. And I think that what they were really were discussing were was the sisterhood amongst them all, how that everybody gets along and how everybody leans on each other, um, not just as um opposing campaigns but as friends and I mean like and I think that that was the culture that I really wanted to be a part of and like why I really got interested because I didn't want to get into anything like cutthroat and power hungry um and everybody's just been so cool and especially I think watching your relationship Lauren and Corey how you two still remain very close friends um despite literally running opposing operations um I think was so cool. And um, that I think that really inspired me to see both y'all. I, I think that uh, Corey made a really excellent point there because, I mean, we have to remember that we're still like very, I mean, I'm not saying like young to it, but like there have been a lot of people who've gone before us in this work, like a lot of people. Like I, you know, pay kudos to, you know, Anton Gunn and um, folks who uh, have been in this game for a while and who have been able to cultivate and mentor us and, um, you know, speak to us and doing what our, what we do. But Corey was right when he said that, you know, you have to keep the South Carolina thing first because all these campaigns literally left us um, here together. Um, and they're always going to leave us here um, because we are South Carolina. So if we're not able to put um, our candidate even aside, because we all typically work within the same party, we're not able to put our candidate aside to remain you know, the friends that we have, then that says more about us as, and our character than it does anything else. Um, and I think that if we, even like what you're saying, Corey, about when we talk about different ideas, like I have my friends uh, who, you know, you have to get people to poke holes in your concepts and in your ideas. And even if they bring a perspective that completely, um, you know, derails what you had planned, if you're not open to it, um, first of all, you know, that's, you know, prideful like, that you think that only your ideas are good. Um, but if you're not open to it, then that is going to leave you susceptible to a lot of injury later on because you're you're not receiving, you know, the, the positive tension. That's another thing, you know, we learned in Silicon Valley when I was working for a startup is like there's tension is a good thing. If no one is uh, creating tension with your idea, um, it's not a good idea because not every idea is going to be perfect. There are always going to be flaws. There's always going to be opportunity for improvement. So if we are not able to say, um, if I'm not able to like let Corey talk about what I'm planning and him say like, mm, I don't know if I like that. And I'm like, well, I don't want to like, no, like we're not going anywhere. And even, you know, Lyric and Amelia, when we work together um, on, on City Bright stuff, like if I'm not able to allow y'all to speak into what my idea is and say, you know, is there, is this okay? Like, what do y'all think? And, uh, you know, have the opportunity to, to refute what even I say then, you know, we're not going anywhere. So I think that it's like a concept of, you know, remaining open-minded within politics, within ideas, within relationships. Um, communication obviously is important, but if you're not able to create an op- create a space that's healthy for cultivating um, positive and even constructive feedback, then you're not going to go anywhere in any, in any field you're in. Um, I do have a question for all of you, um, including Hannah. So... Um... I know that all of us probably have anything that you would, you can share. Let's say this. Um, we all probably have civic engagement projects that we're working on. It doesn't have to be exactly like 100% down the middle political, but I know even Hannah, you have some civic engagement stuff that you're working on as student body based president. Um, so we will start with you. So 
Yeah, Larry, you put me on the spot because you know, and I've been talking to you about some things, and it's like testy waters right now. You don't have to share all. You don't have to share like that if you don't. Want but to. in general, um, yeah. so it's funny that like Corey, you and I are like connecting through um, Zoom, do this podcast with Don, but specifically like this is a huge year. So voter registration, whether that is if we're virtual um, or in person. So figuring y'all at first, it was in person partnering with Clee and um, doing voter registration drives um, all over campus, but now having to consider, still undecided, no one knows, but if we're virtual, how to still um, practice civic engagement or emphasize civic engagement in the student body, having to figure out absentee ballots and how to um, invest in that so that students know how to go through that process, and as well as completing the census. So I know Mayor Benjamin talked a little bit about it. Um, Last night, he had a party. He told us he doesn't know how to dance, but he knows a strong two-step. But um, how important it is to complete the census, like literally all of the decisions made um, through politics, through the legislation, is by county, um, each and every person. So every every count, every number counts. So being counted, uh, being accounted for is a huge deal. And I believe, especially during this year with the presidential election, um, if students are even engaged in that, that is on the forefront. Like, okay, like we're we're getting a new president, no matter what. We're getting a new president, or we we have the decision of who becomes the next president um, for the next term. And so, yes, they're definitely, or if they're going to vote, they would definitely see that as a forefront. But completing the census, I know a lot of students are not even aware of like why does that even matter or how to even go about that. So that's also on the radar. And other things. That would probably be huge if happens, but I, pro- I probably can say that right now. But we'll be in touch. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know. <laughs> um, Taylor. Uh, honestly, the coronavirus has taken up like all my time <laughs> working working for the city. Um, and there's some you know some restrictions on what I can do politically and, and can't to some extent, um, which Lauren knows all about. Um, but I, I definitely agree with Hannah. The census is super important and just trying to spread the word about that. And I think, like, even the coronavirus has shown the importance of government, I think, probably more than another time that I've ever seen in my life. Like, I, I always heard friends and people say that, you know, like, I don't really care about, you know, who the mayor or governor or president is because it doesn't affect my life. But we're seeing a direct correlation between, you know, leaders who, you know, believe in science and and not uh, you know injecting and you know whatever won't go there but direct correlation between you know <laughs> believing in the truth and telling the truth and science and saving lives like we can see it like black and white probably for the first time in my lifetime so i think just getting people involved in government and caring about government especially you know local government i think the mayor has been doing like such a good job at doing everything in his power to keep us safe. Um, so, so like local government matters, um, even down to city council races and school districts, like it, it all matters. Um, so just trying to spread the word about that and get people involved is, is kind of what I've been working on. Um, Lauren, you know, started the youth commission or re, re, revamp the youth commission at Columbia. And those kids are probably one of my favorite, the favorite parts of the job. Like they're so cool. Um, and I think just getting that generation involved in politics is going to be huge um, and, and really 
let them make them care about uh, local government's gonna be awesome. Corey. Yeah, so like I said, uh, I'm super interested in voting rights and uh, voter engagement. It's uh, something I've been working on for a long time. So Hannah uh, briefly mentioned something called CLEAT a little bit ago. Just for those of you who don't know, uh, that is the university's uh, voter registration effort. Uh, it started as Lead the Way, which Taylor and I worked on, and then Taylor gave it a name that I don't love. Um, and- no, 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 no. I was against that name from the beginning. Okay, and here's I, the buck stop. I told the them there's... You don't get out of this table. <laughs> That's so good. And I said this to everybody's face, and they said, okay, it's cleat. I said, all right, well... <laughs> I'm changing it in my phone to cleat. And that's um, the thing that we're talking about. <laughs> um, so, like I said, I'm really interested in voting rights, voter, uh, voter engagement, and uh, that's something that, that's super important to me. So... Uh, right now, I'm, I'm looking at some, some ideas and some options of, of what that could be uh, in the state and uh, in the region. Uh, there's there's some interesting uh, there, there's an entire infrastructure of, of voter rights and voter engagement all across the country. Uh, Fair Fight is uh, an organization in Georgia that doing some incredible work on voter protection. Um, if my friend Jose Morales is listening in, uh, he's now the deputy director of uh, voter protection there. Uh, and he's doing some incredible work with, with states all across the country. Um, and I think that it's the most important work that we can do in 2020. Uh, you know, you look at what just happened in Wisconsin, it was an ab- absolute travesty, uh, where voters should not have had to go stand in lines um, in the middle of a, a, a pandemic. Um, and there's so much work that needs to be done uh, in getting voters registered and getting them uh, turned out and making sure that uh, getting them access to the ballot is as easy as possible. Um, so, uh, there are some, some things coming through, uh, Lauren. I'm just going to pass it off. Might drop the mic like that. Um, yeah, well, I have a, you know, similar passion for young voters, um, particularly in South Carolina. Um, my firm, um, Amelia Lyric and I, we started a, a newsletter called Circle Up SC, where we have a um, political newsletter tailored political newsletter tailored to Gen Z political um, Gen Z and millennial voters. So obviously that age group is pretty wide; it goes to basically eighteen to forty, because um, I think the oldest millennials are about forty. So wanting to make sure that everybody um, in that very important demographic is engaged politically. Um, they are literally um, a third of the state's uh, voter demographic. If you you know look up the numbers, um, which I did, I'm extra nerdy. So wanting to really get people who are younger involved in politics is something I'm really passionate about because, um, like I said, I had no interest in it. I was living my living my low life, um, doing what I did, and then wow, politics! This is great. This is interesting. Oh my God, this affects us in so many ways. Um, and I think that we don't talk about it enough. Obviously in civic engagement courses in high school and in college, we don't really get the brunt of what it does to our day-to-day lives. I think now is a great you know, textbook opportunity for us to have you know, pandemic response written in, in stone for how America handled it. Um, and you know, kids who are you know, five these days are gonna learn about it one day if we're still alive on the planet, that is. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I mean, climate change is real too, people. 
We gotta be real about this stuff. <laughs> we gonna lose Charleston. We gonna lose Miami. Like, do you care? I'm just kidding. No. Um, but yeah, so uh, we got some issues we gotta take care of, and if we uh, we want to be around for it over the next fifty years, we gotta address it, and we gotta remain politically engaged for it. So that's big thing I'm working on, and um, yeah, uh, we also have um, a digital cam- campaign course called Blue Lab SC that we're working on too. For people who want to learn how to do political campaigns, uh, we're going to do a crash course on it. So that'll be fun. So, uh, yeah, those are, my, those are my projects. For listeners who can't tell the, the, like, tension that's going on, there is a project that's coming down the pipeline that hopefully will be announced soon, uh, but is not is not quite ready yet, and Lyric did spring that question on us. Um, no, 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 I didn't want you to announce it, because I, I just know, like, y'all have other, uh, there's other stuff. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot happening. Uh, stay tuned. Um, I will Watch this face. <laughs> I will say that um, for each of you, I really like. I, I work with a lot of people. Um, I've worked with a lot of people, but I genuinely like the three of y'all. Um, actually, the four of y'all, even Hannah, who, who who hates my work style. Like, I mean, hates my work style. But I truly like um, love working with every last one of y'all. Like um, Corey, we have an affinity for naming things. Um, love to put acronyms and names on things. I mean, like. Taylor, um, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Taylor, you, you don't realize it, but you saved this whole podcast-a-thon because Hannah was down my back. She was just like, Lyric, we don't have anybody confirmed. Nobody's going to come on this thing. We're not going to raise any money. And I just remember I was so stressed. I texted you. I, like, I texted you. I said, like, hey, like, did you check on this thing? And then you said no. And I took a stress nap. I took a stress nap. I couldn't take it. Like, I couldn't take it. And, like, and I, when I woke up, you had already said, well, I've already hammered down the mayor and Jataka, these people are coming. And I said, Taylor Wright. And I remember I called I, I called Asia Greenhill. I said, Taylor Wright has saved the day. And then I texted, I texted Hannah and I said, the mayor is coming. And then she said, but what about Don Staley? And I said, you know what? Hannah's not getting texted back for the rest of the day. Because <laughs> can't focus on the bright side. But I mean... Uh, no, I was happy. Like you know, I was happy. But like Taylor, like like I just feel like closer to like. Of course, I was just on a meeting with Taylor, so I was like, okay, like that's great. But Don, and you kept. And the thing is, guys, when she was talking about the leadership style, because she said that hard, like Hannah hate. No, no, no. It's just Lyric is on a whim, visionary. If it, I mean, and then it's gonna come together at the last second. But you have to give her till that point zero 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 one second left until it, it gets together. Me, I, I I execute. So I'm not that much. This pandemic has made me, especially as VP, like more of like more a little bit. But I'm still more of the execution, planning everything out. Okay, we need this done by this day. This day update from this. And lyric is really just like go with the flow. It's gonna happen. Um, and it's going to work itself out by prayer. Yeah. That's one of the. I think that's one of the coolest things about Corey and uh, Lyric, and especially I mean, the mayor does the same thing. Like, I'm I'm type A, and like I'm a perfectionist, and like I want to plan out. But y'all are just like, no, we're doing it, and let's go. And I'm it, yes. it's stressing me out beyond belief. But like, I think that's one of the biggest skills that I'm learning in my job now. Is like sometimes you just got to go for it. Like, it's like you don't have time to think about it all the time. Taylor, Taylor give it give it about a few more months. Out of pandemic, I promise you. Working for Mayor Benjamin, 
you y'all would be surprised the number of things Mayor Benjamin and even Beto and Pete, I'm sure like the things that happened and they came together at the last moment and nobody would have known. Oh yeah, as it's happening, like, oh thank you. I'm so glad. Yeah, I actually didn't know that my candidate would be here at this moment because it could have gone completely awry. Like, trust, Hannah, I prom babe, I promise you you just few more years of life and living. Like when you're rolling into an event that you didn't know your candidate was speaking at and you're like, oh, I'm just going to brief you now. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. It me so many times, like I think like working with Taylor last year, I mean, even on campus, Taylor was the polished one. And like, you know, like, you know, the face, and then I would just say stuff. He'd be like, Larry, Larry you can't do that. And I said, why? <laughs> why I can't? Um, but anyway, before, um, you know, when Hannah went off on her tangent, I was saying, like, wow, I, I enjoy working with each of you. And, Lauren, I've had, I think, between work of being a freshman and now, I've probably had anywhere between 12 and 16 different inter um, internships, jobs, or fellowships. Um, but, no, like, City Bright is by far the best work that I've ever done. Um, my favorite Aww. work that I've ever done. Like, and, I mean, truly, working with you and Amelia is really, like, a dream um, to be able to work um, under your leadership and like with one of my best friends. And like, I think that um, just the culture, like the things that, I mean, like just really truly challenging me and my creativity uh, and allowing me to be my best self in the midst of a pandemic. Um, and just like really just be at peak visionary. Um, and then like Hannah, you're going to take on projects like um, that I started such as Gamecocks engage and like make them a million times better. Um, the Masterclass series ended up becoming um, a podcast, um, which is why we're even here. So, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool. But I know that we we have somebody else coming on, so I, I keep, I gotta keep, I gotta stop talking. Um, I could just end on one note. I do just want to, like, emphasize something Lyric just said. Um, I think something that's a through line in both mine, in all of mine, Taylor and Lauren's stories, is something that Lyric just pointed to. Um, in asking why you can't do something and figuring out that you can go ahead and do it. Uh, you know, that, that can be something, you know, a sort of major operation, you know, well, I, why, why can't I a 20 something per year old person do something that, that big or that grand, or it can be something a lot uh, more personal, um, which, which doesn't necessarily mean smaller or less significant. Um, but asking yourself why you can't hold that position or you can't go and do something because uh, by and large you can, and there are people who are willing to support you. Uh, I, I, I know I'm certainly open to anyone who's listening who just wants to have a conversation about politics or whatever. Uh, please get in touch, um, and but but always ask yourself why. Be willing to put yourself out there, uh, and and I think you're going to find that, that there's a lot of support, and there are there are a lot of people out there who are going to be willing to uh, help and uh, connect and, and give advice and. Uh, but but be willing to, to say why not me and why not now um, and last but not least like we've been asking all of our guests um, to donate something we've had a donation as little as a dollar and we've had a donation as large as 1,501 the Dr. Pruitt oh yeah um, it's in the that, that one's um, it's not on the website it's in the Pruitt family fund though um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I'll have a family fund, but I will make a donation. Oh yeah, no. Listen, I I, I wish I, I'm not there yet, but one day I'll be able to hopefully give donations. There you go. Speak it. Speak hopefully, it. not for a pandemic though. Not for no. no the Rona gotta go. Um, but hopefully for like first generation access or something at this university, something like I, I can handle, and that you can actually go outside for. Um, I donated last night. Yes, Taylor, you did. I did see your donation. So um, let me look at Mint. Maybe I can do a little more. Right now, um, actually, I'm going to count more, more. That's what I'm I, like I'm going to oh, give Mills, it. Mills said hi too. I forgot. To Mills, oh Mills. <laughs> right now we are at sixteen thirty-one oh two plus. Let me see. I'm counting. Just want to say thank you to both Lyric and Hannah uh, for putting this together and being a part of it. And for anyone listening, please go out and donate. Uh, It matters a lot and and help uh, students at USC. Uh, I know from the alumni side, we all know how important Carolina is to all of us and and making sure that students uh, are able to have the best experience the way that we did uh, matters a lot. Um, And for those of you who are about to graduate, I'm sorry it's under these awful circumstances, but Welcome to the alumni family. We're so glad to have you. Uh, and, and go game cuts. Mm-hmm. Three thousand one thirty-two. That's where we are right now. So, awesome. tell your friends, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, but thank y'all so much for coming on. So thank you, Hannah and Lyric, for sacrificing your sleep and your day. Y'all are the best. Go Cox. Let's raise some money for some good people. Woo! Thank you, guys. Lauren said, y'all are killing it. Thank you. <laughs> well, maybe one day we'll make a believer out of Hannah yet um, and convert her to the dark side. Hannah's doing just fine. Leave my girl alone. <laughs> Got a boo. Love you, Hannah. Somebody Love you. Oh, my girl. You need to get a loan from Hannah at one point. Okay. Hey, you, <laughs> hey, you got to have one friend with the money. Okay, come All on. Right. <laughs> Let me hold some. All right. Bye, y'all. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Hello? Hi. For the COVID-19. Sorry, I've got to help, I've got to help my mom with the, with the video. I don't understand. Dad, do you need help? But I'm going to go help my dad. Okay. How are you? Oh, my gosh. We thought we were just getting the dynamic of Miss. And Mr. Helensky, no, Ryan's here. His his girlfriend Ashen, their dog Benny, Hello? our dog Navy Blue. Oh, there's Dad. Okay, there's Ryan. And Ryan is our technical right, okay, advisor. I, gotta, I, gotta help my mom. <laughs> I don't understand. Dad, you, Dad, you need help? But I'm gonna go help my dad. Okay. Oh, Bye. hey, it's on like delay. Bye. Hold on. Oh, we thought we were just getting the dynamic of. Wait, is somebody listening to the no. Oh, my dog. Hold, hold on. I think my mom his, is. My mom is. Oh, my God. Their dog, Benny. Hold on. Our dog, Nick. Yeah, blue. there we go. Hold <laughs> on. Look at that. Perfect. We got it, guys. Sorry. Okay. We're good now. Hello. Good. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Good. How are you doing? Good. We're 20 hours in and we're doing we're doing good for 20 Going hours. Strong. In. Yes. <laughs> we caught you the first hour. We started watching and you guys looked peppy, full of energy. You haven't changed. Really? You still look out full of energy, beautiful, right? <laughs> and so giving. 
Thank you so much. Um, I'm glad it looks like we have not changed. <laughs> it feels know, good. Actually, we haven't changed because I need to show <laughs> I know. I do recognize I that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's I been here. It's been right here. But thank you guys so much for um, coming on. If you would, I mean, I can't imagine anyone not knowing who you guys are, but just for anyone for the unclarity, if you guys could introduce yourselves real quick before we get into the conversation. All right. Well, I, I'm Kim Holinsky. Um, Ryan is my son. Kelly is my son and Tyler as well. And we just moved to South Carolina a little over a year ago. So we are officially part of your community and so happy to be here. Ashlyn is Hi. over there. That's my girlfriend, Ashlyn. Hello. Hold on. This is good. This is Benny. Hi, Vinny. Hi, Ashlyn. Uh, but yes, like my mom said, this is Kim Holinsky, then of course my dad, Mark Holinsky, and then I'm Ryan. Uh, I'm the quarterback at South Carolina, um, and my parents run a nonprofit organization, Holinsky's Hope, um, which I'm sure we'll get into and talk about a little bit. But um, we're just thankful to be here, thankful that you guys let it have us on, and and we hopefully we can keep going strong with you guys. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we slept last night, so... <laughs> I remember when we when we went to California like a month ago. Um, we were up 24 hours, and we went to Disneyland. And before like, they closed, like right, it. When, right, literally the night before they closed it. And right when we got to the car, me and Ashlyn both just fell asleep, and my dad <laughs> drove us home. Oh my goodness! Yes, it was we have to get it the last day. Yes, yeah. yes, we got when it right. We had town. to go. If we were there, we had to go. Mm. Right. So true. Yeah. So do you want us to share things with you? I mean, I actually wrote down uh, my favorite moments, um, and, and I could share them with you. I made Ryan and Ashlyn do it, too. Okay, I have a few questions, and then, yes, I would just like to listen, and I know that Lyric as well as whoever is watching would just like to listen to all of the memories and um, stories that you guys uh, are willing to share, but... One, and I know you're probably going to share this later on a little bit in detail, but we're going through a pandemic right now. So we're raising this money for the COVID-19 emergency relief fund, and we are doing this live via Zoom. So we're practicing social distancing. No one's really together. Um, and so how has that been specifically for you, Ryan, as an athlete, and then as a family, um, your parents, like me, um, parent of an athlete who's going through this and then knowing that mental health is a huge thing in our community that needs um, to be promoted and to be um, recognized. So how is that? Right. You know, as an athlete, um, it's definitely, it's definitely different, obviously, because this is the first time that, you know, we're ever dealing with something like this. Um, and it's weird to get thrown out of your normal, uh, for sure, because, you know, like, we have so much time on our hands now. And before, you know, we were talking about how we didn't have any time on our hands and we couldn't do all this stuff with practice and classes, but now we have so much time and it's kind of hard to like choose and what you got to do and all that stuff, especially when everything's closed. Um, but I know there's a lot, a couple guys in Columbia that I went golfing with yesterday. We were six feet apart, but uh, don't worry about that. But uh, I know we went golfing and I talked to them and they're still in Columbia. They're not with family. And so, like, they stay inside a lot for the majority of the day. And I know that, like, that gets to them uh, mentally because our society and the human race is literally built on being um, social. Uh, it's, it's talking in, with people face-to-face, -face, um, having physical contact, like that type of stuff, a hug, whatever it is, a high-five, stuff like that. 
Um, it's definitely different. And especially for us football players, we're around each other all the time. We're never usually alone, especially only when it gets to, you know, night at night, right when we're going to sleep. Um, but it's just a little different in being thrown at your normals, different for sure. Um, but I, I know that Zoom has been the big thing that our football team's been using. We're, we're always in meetings. Um, we're in meetings with Connor Shaw, checking on mental wellness and stuff like that. Um, so we're, we're getting that uh, aspect cleared and, and checked and done and all that. But I know it's different from my parents, for sure, after everything that they're doing with Holinsky's Hope. Yeah, it is. We had a, So we had so many trips planned um, the past month or so to Georgia, to North Dakota, out to California, um, down to Florida, and so many of, well, all the trips were canceled. So we sort of regrouped, and we actually started a podcast, and it's called United. It's powered by Helensky's Hope, and it's, they're wonderful, and it's these mental health professionals, sports psychologists from around the country are coming on three times a week. Uh, Dr. Josie Nicholson, who's the sports psychologist at Ole Miss, um, is the host. And she has brought on BYU, The Ohio State, Auburn, uh, NC, University of North Carolina. Uh, What are the other ones that have come on? Ole Miss? Yeah, well, that's her, yeah. Um, But we've done about a dozen podcasts so far, and – they're, they're touching on, on mental health, of course, and how our mental health is affected by, you know, this pandemic and having to self-quarantine. And it does have, it does have an effect on our, our mental health, right? We're not together with everybody that we want to be with. Our, our normal routines have been taken away from us. And, and, of course, we have to be healthy. We have to be safe. And, and that's the most important thing. But um, here's our dog. Um, <laughs> but um, we're going to get back to normal. It, it may be a new and a different normal, but we're, we're all going to be together again. Mark, do you want to talk? <laughs> sure. What are we talking about exactly? What's the question? How, um, like, this pandemic has come across and, like, how human race and all of us have to social distance and we have to do Zooms instead of, meeting at a coffee shop or stuff like that, you know, like how it's affecting us and, uh, and our mental health. Yeah. I, well, I think Kim and you guys just touched on most of it. We're, um, we like to be in front of the student athletes and, and work with them sort of hand in hand and our trainers too, who fly around with us and, and put on their, um, their, you know, they, they do a speaking engagement with us. We do our Tyler talks. And that's really powerful when you're when you're together. So we're trying to come up with new ways. The podcast is one of them um, to still talk about this stuff. I think you know um, it's been difficult, but what's missed is you know people still get sick, they still get uh, depressed, they still get anxious, they still get um, cancer, they still you know suffer from other diseases besides COVID, and it sort of it puts everything else behind as it should in some cases, but it's, it's, we're all in this together and it's, it's difficult for everybody. And I think it's particularly difficult on, on the student athletes um, who are so used to a very structured routine. Um, you know, it's, it's around here, it's five thirty to noon for football and 12 to two for, for, for study hall and school in the afternoon. And then, more stuff in in the evening with film and and coaches conversations and that type of stuff so i think trying to find your you know being somewhat productive but also being 
extremely safe is the important piece. And I think everybody's doing the best they can. Uh, I just hope we do it long enough to, uh, to get us all back in the fall. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> Um, one of the cool things I think about the podcast-a-thon is that we've been able to have a lot of fun, but we've also been able to um, shed a light on a lot of um, issues that typically don't get talked about or um, just talk about some – we've talked about some really hard topics, I mean, um, throughout this 20 hours since we've been on air. Um, and, like, these last few hours are um, definitely going to – I mean, like, just hit on some things that um, I think are super important. So I think – um, mental health is definitely um, one of those things. And I think um, some people um, who are watching, they may like know of you all. Um, but I, I mean, like after, especially doing my own research, um, Helensky's Hope, like y'all offer um, so much um, um, as an organization. So um, if you can like briefly, um, as as much as you would like, just share um, what does Helensky's Hope do? Um, and just letting people know, like, all the great work that y'all have really been doing um, at, at, since um, becoming a part of this Gamecock family and before. Yeah. Sure. Well, go ahead. I think, you know, I can, I can start, Kim, or you can jump in if you want. Um, when, uh, so Tyler, our son Tyler passed away in January of 2018. Um, and, you know, we were, we all lived in California, California, uh, Ryan, Kim, and I. Kelly was in Utah. Ryan was in Washington. Um, and it wasn't too long after that we started Holinsky's Hope. Um, and without getting too deep into everything that happened with Tyler, you know, Tyler was the most all-American kid you'd ever meet. He's He was super sweet and, and kind and, and wonderful and, and such a neat kid. And for this to have have affected him um and in our family so deeply we knew that it had to be more than you know if, if it can happen to him it can happen to anybody and so it, we'll never be able to bring tyler back but we want to honor him and continue to drive down the stigma of talking about mental health and suicide and, and real issues that our students and student athletes go through um on a daily basis so holinsky's hope was formed and you know Kim's been running it ever since, uh, but you know collectively we're we're doing a lot of things. It, what's what it started out to be was really um, to tell his story, to talk about Tyler, to give everybody an idea of who he was. Because I think sometimes people think about mental illness um, and they don't have a really clear picture of what that looks like. And and the reason for that is you know the media portrays it one way, movies and. Um, and stories that you've heard, you might you might think of characters in a book, you might think of them on on screen. And the reality is, it can affect anybody. It doesn't. It's not colorblind. I mean, it it does. It affects everybody. What we're focused on, what we focused on, just because it's our son and the and the background that we have um, is a student athlete. And we think that there's even greater stigma about you know talking to your teammates and your coaches about. You know, it's one thing to have a knee injury or an ankle injury or, or get banged up and bruised and stuff, and that happens to everybody. But when you're having bad dreams, um, your thoughts are of hurting yourself or other people, um, you're scared. You know, you're, you're frightened to even say that. And for a lot of reasons, one, for yourself and your family, but also for what it means to you. Well, I can snap out of this. I'm tough. I can tape it up and get moving. And, and many times you can, right? And it's not all diagnosable. Not everybody that's sad is depressed. 
and not everybody that's nervous is is clinically uh, diagnosed with anxiety. So I think it's important. And and so we work with Ross Zabo. Um, Ross is the author of uh, Behind Happy Faces. He's a TED Talk speaker. Um, he runs a, a wonderful uh, school and built the curriculum out at UCLA for a, a sixth to 12th grade um, school on campus there at the Geffen School. And we fly him around and ask him to provide his insights. And as a person that suffered through and survived, you know, multiple suicide attempts, uh, he talks about this publicly. He's, he's currently, you know, treating um, with medication. He's bipolar, um, but he can live a, a, a really positive and, and happy life. And I think that's really important. The other, the other so we share that story. Ross tells his story. Um, as Kim and I tell Tyler's story. And then we also work with um, a group that's been around for a while, and uh, the group is called Step Up. They're actually an NCA-approved training program. And what they do is they focus on helping the student-athletes, teammates, friends, coaches, family, better understand what they can do if they see noticeable changes or they're worried for their friends, for their teammates. If they're they, they're very concerned about what they see, um, there's a there's a number of statistics out there about a lot of stuff. But the ones that we focus on that seem to be important are that when you talk to friends and family of students or student athletes that have died by suicide, many of them, 70 plus percent of them, saw something in a, you know in that individual before he or she died. Um, and when they asked if you talked to that person about it or you brought it up. 90% of them said they did not, and and the reason why is really down to one thing. They didn't know what to do. And so we want, through Step Up, we want to give that training and that ability to those students um, or friends and family or teammates, fellow student-athletes, um, the tools to have those conversations. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of um, – misnomers about mental health but around suicide and and rightly so it's a scary topic but but it's one we have to talk about and one of the things that comes out and i think the research has has been on this for some time you can't you can't cause anybody to die by suicide so if you feel like they're if they're talking about it if they're making plans for it there's training that we can provide that'll allow you to have a conversation so you can better assess whether you need somebody with professionally immediately, you know, if this person's really in danger at the moment. Um, and I think those are really important tools to give. You guys get bombarded with trainings and speakers and, and ev- with great meaning and great hope. Um, so we try to keep it as, as straightforward um, and as minimal, but as impactful as possible. And that, that's what we're trying to do with the podcast, give, you know, sort of focus on one message per episode as we do when we go to the schools, So we're looking forward to get back into that. Um, that's what Holinsky Hope is all about. We're currently in the middle, uh, well, we were at the beginning, um, looking for partner schools uh, because we have a big research project that we're working on um, that, that contains the training, the follow-up, um, and the conversations that we're having from Tyler Talks to Step Up and Behind Happy Faces. So we're looking forward to getting back on the road and doing that as soon as we can safely. Um, yes, everything that y'all have been doing with Helensky's Hope is so great. Um, I'm a sport entertainment management major, um, so sports was always, like, my first love because I always love the way that it brings people together and seeing, like, um, 
everybody on campus just loves like wearing those bracelets and it's not just because it's a bracelet like people really do know what it means um and um really have been holding it um close near and dear um i i have one um that i wear um um, all the time and like I've had actually have multiple in different colors actually but um, so many people uh, have really just latched onto this cause not just at the University of South Carolina but just everywhere and I like I really do applaud you all as a family um, for your faith and being able to turn your pain into purpose and just be able to touch the lives of so many um, I remember in plenty of my classes um, I, I took one called the student athlete experience and some of the stuff that you're um, mentioning are the same things that we were learning in class. Um, just about how there's so much stigma around this issue and it's not talked about enough. And so I really do applaud you all for really bringing um, so much awareness to this issue and doing it in a way that um, is easily digestible um, and really going to, I, I think it's going to, it's already changed lives, but going to continue to change the lives of others for sure. I know you had asked, uh, you know, for, for some things, and I'll, I'll say this one. I know Kim and Ryan have some others, but it's right along the same path. So Kim and I, Kelly, Ryan, we've all worked really hard. Um, a number of people with, within Holinsky's Hope continue to work hard to bring that message and, and those trainings to the student-athletes. But just to give you an example, um, as much as we do, you know, and we're very grateful for your kind words and so forth, but – What's really amazing, this, this is one of our experiences, and we collectively would, would say the same thing, I think, but, um, you know, there was, there was a, I, I think it was a cheerleader who heard a fan and Williams Bryce talking about, wouldn't it be cool if we put up three fingers at the beginning, <clears throat> excuse me, of the first play of the third quarter in honor of Tyler, in honor of us, in honor of um, a way to, to say that we're hearing this message and we're okay to talk about it. And so um, as, as Tyler's parents, as Ryan's parents, we're so proud of, of, uh, of them, but to see a hundred thousand people ish, you know, in Willie Bryce holding up threes at the beginning of the Alabama third quarter during that game to watch the sidelines, our team, and our coaches to see Nick Saban and his staff holding up three um, told me and told us a lot that, yes, the message is getting across and that they're doing it for each other. You know, um, our, our student body produced a, a PSA that was put out on the Jumbotron, I think, at halftime. Subsequently, and then even at the Clemson game, they had both representatives, so from Clemson and from South Carolina. And it's bigger than, than football. It's bigger than us. It's all about you guys. And, and it's all about the family that, that works together, stays together, takes care of each other. So that's one of the best experiences. It didn't cost any money. It didn't take much time. It, everybody can do it. You know, you can, you, can, uh, you can share it, you can talk about. And those bracelets that you mentioned, those are some of the stories when people see them. Oh, here's where I was when I did this, or I found one, or I, I, I donated and got one. And then I was at the stadium, or I, was, I saw you guys on TV, and it's very powerful. And it's, that message is, is really one purpose, which is it's okay to talk about this, and we don't want anybody else to slip through the cracks or suffer in silence. Yeah. I think specifically, um, I mean, again, echoing what Lyric said, what you guys are doing is absolutely amazing. But just talking um, specifically to Ryan, um, because, of course, you and your brother both played football together. So 
deciding um, to continue in football, how did that come up? Be? Was it a hard decision or did you know that overall that you were going to um, do that or how did that come about? Uh, well, it was a conversation that my parents and Kelly talked to me about uh, because, of course, football and um, just the injuries that happen within football, uh, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, is worth talking about. Um, but I, like Kelly asked, Kelly started the question. I knew it was, he was going to ask. And I said, no, I'm, I'm still playing. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, because one, I promised, uh, Tyler and I promised Kelly that if one of our names didn't get called in the draft, one of our last name was going to be called and that was going to be because of me. And so I want to fulfill that dream for Kelly and for Tyler and for my parents. Uh, so that, you know, if Alinsky gets called uh, on the draft, then, um, it's for all of us. And I think another reason is because, you know, when a tragedy or adversity hits a lot of people's lives, sometimes they stop because, you know, they, they don't see a light at the end of the tunnel and they don't see hope. Um, and I thought maybe if I can impact, you know, one, two, however many people uh, I could by just continuing to play and showing that there is hope that you can keep going when there's an obstacle in your way that you can either jump over it or go around it, um, then I'm going to keep doing that. And that, that was one of the, those were the main reasons why I kept playing, and, and it just brought me joy. And I know that my parents saw Tyler out there whenever I played on the field, and if I could do that for them, um, then I would absolutely do it any day. Um, I know that what we've been talking about throughout the podcast with all of our guests is how special the University of South Carolina is, how special this family is, how special it is to be a Gamecock. And um, I know you all talked about um, your big move um, coming to South Carolina. But just talk um, if, I mean, if any of you or all of you can pitch in about and just talking about what the transition to South Carolina has been like um, and what it, how has your experience been being a part of this Gamecock family? I mean, it doesn't even have to be as serious. Um, it can be about the food or the culture, anything that you want it to be about. But what has this transition to South Carolina been like and meant to you? Well, I don't – go ahead, man, if you guys want – the funny, we say this in Tyler's story, um, you know, and there has to be some levity in this stuff because it's very difficult to get through, um, you know, the, the conversation about your son um, and, and particularly about Tyler. So, but but one of the things that we noticed, we're from California, we're born and raised in California. So we, Ryan spent his whole life there. Kim and I were born and raised in California. So were the boys. And we we sort of joke and say, um, not joke, but it's true. So when you get when we got to South Carolina, one of the things we noticed was in California, you say, you know, hey, how's it going? As you pass, you know, as you see each other, it's sort of a it's a comment or it's a um, it's just it's just a phrase. We got here and we say, hey, how you doing? And people stop um, and then they tell you and 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 it's it was such a. I know it's a little tiny thing, but it's a big deal in the sense that people want to share, you know, well, my mom is doing better and, and, you know, we just made a brisket and we did this and that. And they tell you their whole kind of, you, you better be prepared for 15 minutes because if you ask how they're doing, they're going to tell you. And that, that just characterizes for me everything about this great state and the people that we've met. They're, they're kind, they're forthcoming, um, they'll do anything for you and and 
they'll share their story with you as well and listen to yours. And that's a difference. I mean, that's, that's very different. I, I guess it's more, we've been told it's more like that in the South, but um, we love doing that. Obviously we like to talk a little bit too. So um, that, that's just one of, of a million uh, great little uh, stories about our move here. We get um, emails, texts, messages, DMs all the time from people all over the state, in the South, really. And they're just so full of love and hope, and they're very kind, um, and we're so grateful for that. Uh, so even though this isn't our home, it's become our home. And we're so glad to be here and welcomed into such a loving community. Um, I love this story. Uh, Ryan, before we moved here, said something about, you know, I imagine when we, we moved to South Carolina, uh, someone's going to come to my door and bring us, a, and I'm not going to say it right, a pecan pie. Uh, <laughs> and so, what, a day or two after we, yes, moved, after we moved into in. this house, um, our neighbors just up the road knocked on the door and they were holding up a pecan pie for Ryan and he's never had a pecan pie before <laughs> but it's just so sweet that, that people are so good and, and kind to us and, and everything that they've done from Palmetto Moon to Thomas and Moore yeah. to uh, what's the game pop store yeah. Yeah. Um, just it's an incredible and we're so touched um, by all of it yeah Really I know that when uh, I know that the story would be a lot different if I didn't come here, of course, uh, because my dream school was Stanford, actually. And I like I always wanted to go there. And then um, we had an SEC road trip that we my parents had planned for me. And they were going to drive um, between all of these schools, uh, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Alabama, um, a couple other schools. And then the day before we left, I got a call from um, Coach Muschamp. And we talked about, well, why don't you come visit South Carolina? And so we uh, were like, okay, so so we added it to the end of our trip, uh, and we loved it. And then we came one more time to the spring game, loved it. Yeah. And then the place that this tattoo, I don't know if you can see it, uh, it's like a little tattoo, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the outline of a lighthouse um, in Hawaii. Um, and it, We call it Tyler and Nana's Lighthouse. Um, and I went there, and I got like a weird feeling about uh, South Carolina and stuff, and then literally ten minutes later, after we went back to our room, I called Coach Muschamp and uh, I said I want to be a Gamecock. And I know that if I didn't come here, um, Helensky's Hope would have a different story. I know that we would have a different story, um, and we're just so thankful for everybody accepting us, um, a California kid and his family, and just making him a kid of the South that's already saying y'all uh, whenever I send text messages and he stuff does. like that. So. <laughs> Um, what have been some of your favorite places in South Carolina um, outside of like, you know, Williams Price? Uh, are, um, what, are, what have been some of your favorite restaurants, places, things to do um, here um, since you've been living in South Carolina? Well, we um, found a house. It was right after the Tennessee game, uh, your senior in high school, right? When you did your official visit. Yeah. yeah or before yes. And so we found a house in a day bought it and it's it's on the lake it's far enough away from ryan um but close enough that he can get back here and so one of our favorite things is to go out on the water or just sit and look at the water it's lake murray yeah it's it's, it's wonderful Mm -hmm. um so we do that a lot 
We uh, food places, Bojangles, yeah. <laughs> Zaxby's, for right. sure. They don't have that type of food in California. <laughs> the barbecue sauce just hits different. What's the place that you love down there? Smokehouse. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Smokehouse barbecue in the Vista. Uh, that's that's yum. Yeah. That's very good. Are you uh, talking pot smoker? Pot smoker. Yeah. Pot smoker. Pot smokers. I'm sorry. Pot smokers. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. He loves it. That place. Their fries are insane. <laughs> They're nuts. But that's good. Um, and then, like, uh, the Hootie and the Blowfish concert at uh, Colonial Life. Yes. You know, when my parents went to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, I couldn't go. go. Uh, I because that was, week, that was a week at Alabama games, so I couldn't go to that. Um, <laughs> I know that my parents, have, like, they have so many new friends and stuff. And, I mean, Charleston, we always go to Charleston. Um, we go to uh, Hotel Bennett down there. Um, that's where we took the dog you saw earlier, Benny, when he was a little puppy. We took him. Uh, we've gone to a bunch of places. Yeah. Dad, do you have any favorites in particular? Yeah, I was going to say Hotel Bennett. We, we yeah. met family, uh, sadly, you know, through the same circumstance. Mike Bennett and his family uh, lost their son um, not too long after Tyler and uh, it, Brennan, Brennan Bennett. And, um, he owns a bunch of hotels, and, and he built this beautiful hotel in, on King Street down in Charleston, which... Kim and I and, and Ryan and Kelly love going down there to Charleston. It's a, it's a, it's a really neat old, you know, old style town, and um, enjoyed that and got to know this this wonderful family um, and so many people like that. So I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of cool places. We, we left Liberty off the list. Uh, oh yeah, Liberty on the Lake. Yes, love it. And and uh, and stuff. But I think you know you, you probably should, can't get out. You said Will, Williams Bryce, but Really, all the facilities, um, you know, from from the study halls at the Doty um, to the brand new facility for the for the football team, baseball field, um, yeah, right. cool. yep. really the biggest impact have been the people. So the coaches and, and the training staff and the doctors, Doctor Guy and his team, um, are are just just great individual representatives of our of our new state and and friends of our family and. And we're so excited about that, I think, um, as much as anything. And our neighbors here on Lake Murray have been just amazing. And, and really, everybody we've met, um, it's hard to say anything negative about. We're, we're just thrilled to be here. Well, a year ago, we do this thing on Mother's Day. And oh, yeah. um, I started it. Uh, Kelly was 16, so two years later, he did it with me. It's, it's skydiving. Tyler did it with me two years later, um, and, and after he passed, we now call it tie-dye. Yeah. Um, and so Ryan went with us. It, we had to go up to North Carolina. Um, and so he went tie-diving with us up there. It was his first time. I don't, it was north of Myrtle. Oh, we north stayed of Myrtle. in Myrtle, okay. yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was his first time doing it. I don't think we're going to be able to do it this year. Um, I don't think, I'm not sure. We yeah. haven't checked into it yet. But it was gorgeous, yeah. and, you know, seeing the intercoastal and then the ocean beyond that was just unbelievable. But um, I don't think you liked it too much, though. It was. It got me a little <laughs> sick. I'm not going to lie. It was okay. Uh, it was all right. It's hard when you're when you're tall and you go skydiving. The harnesses, they just don't make them that big sometimes. <laughs> was it the sickness? Oh, I'm sorry. Was it the sickness? Or no, it was just the harness was so small. It literally gave me, like, a harness wedgie. <laughs> like it was just, it was Not tough, but like, but it was beautiful nonetheless. Yeah. But it's all, you start looking at beautiful stuff going on when you got a wedding. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, but yeah, if you didn't know this, um, they actually have zip lining at River Riverbank Zoo and Botanical Garden. Oh, right here? Yes. Right here. Okay. Yeah, so they do zip lining over the Botanical Garden. Oh, it's oh. kind of gorgeous. Yes. I, I haven't done it yet. That was actually, um, I told Hannah that's what I wanted to do for like. I never, I never said it. it um, it's when, uh, when I, Asia introduced me to the Botanical Gardens. Ah, <laughs> it's an amazing place. Asia is it's beautiful. Staff. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. I, I love it. But yes, well, I, I told oh. him that that's what I wanted to do before graduation. Like for graduation, I wanted like my friends to go zip lining and yeah. do with me. Yeah. Uh, it's only like $35. You just have to tell them two weeks in advance uh, when you want to uh-huh. go. Um, and I always found out because there was like a billboard in the zip, in the Vista right above like Kaminsky. And I was like, okay. oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know we did that. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, we're gonna we got to go do that now. <laughs> we got to go do we're that. We're going to go do that. <laughs> um, have y'all become barbecue people or shrimping? I've become a barbecue person, big yes. time. This, I've like before I came here, I'd never like sauce or anything. And like now, like I didn't eat syrup or like have any sauce with chicken. It was just plain. So like now I have barbecue sauce wherever I go. What kind? Uh, just original, original base, not not honey, honey base. Honey base. Do you do, so you're like honey barbecue? Ketchup base. The mustard or ketchup base one? Oh, mustard, mustard, ketchup base. Yeah. Ketchup base, sorry, ketchup base. Apologize. He's still learning. I'm still learning. I'm not. I'm not officially there yet, but ketchup base. You see what he? You asked him about barbecue, which is which is really a food group, and he thought of the barbecue sauce. So he's got a long way to go to get off. The, but no, I, I think that it's a good start. He likes ketchup base uh, barbecue, but Ryan never really used like any kind of sauce on the thing, so it opened up a, a little bit more. Yeah. I fell in love with cheesy grits, but um, oh, yeah. that's a different problem. Um, well, I, can't... I wanted to ask y'all that. Um, you said you spent a lot of time in Charleston. Do y'all do shrimp and grits? Well, we have for sure, but I'll I'll do the cheesy grits. We're on a little bit of a you know a low carb thing right now, me and Kim. But um, but yeah, that's a that's a tough one not to that's a tough one to pass up if you can get cheesy. <laughs> Uh, yes. We do love those. Yeah. Yes, we do. And then um, with all this uncertainty, I know you kind of spoke on how you guys are coping for the current situation, but even the uncertainty for the fall and the future, um, how are you guys dealing with um, that? Maybe um, not knowing what the football season is going to be like, what academics is going to look like. Um, how are you guys still staying hopeful through this situation during these times? I think, I mean, for me, um, like, I, I, football is my, like, it's my one love. I've devoted, I don't know, countless, I, I, I could do the math really quick, but so many years of my life and so much time and, and countless practices up to it. But I think the thing that I find hopeful and I find comfort in is that, like, there's so much stuff that I have going on uh, outside of football. Of course, I have my parents here um, at Lake Murray, and I'm thankful that I get to spend more time with them now. Um, I'm thankful that I get to spend more time on the lake, go on jet skis, go on the boat. Thankful that I get to spend more time with my girlfriend um, and talk about life. I did a, I, we went on a bike ride the other day. I can't remember the last time we went on a bike ride. Um, and so like, instead of looking at, you know, all these negatives and like, what do I do and, and what can I do? It's more of like, Oh, what, you know, like, what can I do? You know, like I can do so much stuff that I couldn't do before. Uh, you know, I can sit down and watch movies with my dad 
like I used to in high school because I have so much more time. Um, I could just really appreciate all the little things that I forgot about, you know? And I think that's the thing that I'm finding comfort in. Um, and I, and I can only control what I can control. That's what coach Muschamp always tells us. And, you know, once you only worry about what you can control and everything else is out of your control, um, then I think life will be a lot smoother. And that's really how I'm dealing with it. I don't know if you're dealing with it any different, but. You know, I'm thankful that I get to see him more, right? When it's, you know, football season or fall camp, mm-hmm. even in the spring, we, I, don't, I don't get to see him that much, you know? And it is a little bit of a drive up here. So it's nice to, he wakes up in the morning, and I'm like, do you want some pancakes? You know, I'll cut up your bananas. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll cook you some milk. Um, but those are the things that I love doing, you know, when, when he lived with us, you know, his whole life until we moved here. Um, so I'm grateful for that and grateful for the walks that we get yes, to go on and walks. watching his TikTok. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> that he does, which I don't understand yet, but I'm glad I don't understand it. My mom helped me film the TikTok. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's, it is the little things in life yep. that mean the most to us, whether or not we're self-quarantining or whether life is back to normal. It's the little things that we all need to focus on because that's what keeps us connected. Yep. That is what keeps us grounded yep. and and loved. Right. And we were talking about it the other day. We're like, whenever I was going full go in spring and they were going Linsky's Hope and we're like, oh, I just want you know, a weekend off. I want some time off that we can just hang out. And now we have all this time off. And the only thing that people are talking about is, can we open that? Can we do this? Can we go back to what we used to do? And it's like, okay, well, what do we really want to do? You know, but right. I just say, I always just say, we appreciate the times that we're in um, and look forward to tomorrow because, you know, every day is a gift. And tomorrow's, like we always say, is never promised. Um, and we're just so thankful that, I'm so thankful that I get to wake up in the same house as my parents. Um, and get to see them every day, and sometimes I take it for granted, uh, but I'm just thankful that I get to do um, everything that I want to do and love to do every day, um, especially since I have so much time now that football is gone. Um, one of our guests who came on earlier, Perry Orth, who's a former game Perry Orth was on here earlier? Yes. Okay, yes. Perry. Yeah. <laughs> I been, love Perry. Yeah, he spent a few minutes with us, and he, was, he said something along the same lines. He said um, that this season – as kind of teaching him a really good lesson about gratefulness um, and how to slow down um, and how, you know, to like value the time you have to spend time with people and do things that you don't normally get to do, especially um, like I know, Ryan, you probably relate this as students. We have so much on us and like things are going so, so fast at all times, but being able to slow down um, and kind of like smell the roses, if you will, um, I think we sometimes take that for granted. Um, so I think this season is definitely teaching us all um, a really good yeah. lesson about being grateful. I absolutely agree. Yes, ma'am. And I know y'all said that y'all were, uh, had written down some of your favorite. Yes, we yes. have them right here. Yeah, so uh, I think we have some. My mom's the first moment, though. Well, the very first time I saw the sandstorm, I, I mean, it makes me cry still. You know, just watching all those people and they're just so happy and we're so connected. 
Um, I finally learned, though, how to do it so that I don't hit <laughs> the wrong notion. Well, you know, dad over here, Kelly over there. So I usually whip them in the eyes, um, but I, I figured out how to do it right. So the sandstorm is, I think, yeah, one of my, you know, favorite memories. And I'm looking forward to doing that, you know, again, yeah. very soon. Um, meeting Kirk Hollingsworth. I, mean, I think you guys know who he is. He's just a wonderful soul. We, we see him down yes. at, at practices, and we saw him at the Hootie and Blowfish concert, yes. too. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a great, a, you know, a great game cop. Yeah. Um, and then, um, like like you guys said earlier about seeing the threes, um, of course, we saw it at Willie B first, mm-hmm. but then, like, going to Tennessee and seeing all of Neyland Stadium raising the three, going to Stanford Stadium when we were beating them, they still held up. I mean, they, not not everybody did, but no. they still, <laughs> still most of everybody held up a three. Um, Texas A&M, everybody held up a three. Their account even tweeted it out, um, a picture of them holding a three. And that was pretty cool to see. I mean, no matter, you know, where the game was at, um, everybody held up a three and just supported us and, and Helensky's Hope and Tyler. And, and I think he, he was there every game. So that, that was pretty cool to see. Um, and then, of course, a good memory – is the Georgia game. Uh, that was a fun one for us. Um, not afterwards, I mean, because of my knee and stuff. But, I mean, I came back the next week. But uh, beating Georgia, I mean, it's just it was crazy because I grew up watching those guys and, and watching Nick Saban and all that stuff and watching Kirby Smart, of course. And I literally sent Jake Fromm um, a DM the uh, week of the game because I watched, up, watched him, went to a couple camps with him send him like a good luck message and then you know we go out and and beat him uh and i thought that was pretty special i thought you know game cognition of course uh seeing just their passion uh i saw that it definitely meant a lot to them and stuff so that was pretty cool i love walking the horseshoe i mean i love walking the whole campus it's, it's yeah. so beautiful it's magical yeah. um and doing it at <clears throat> night I don't know, it adds another level of magic um yeah. <laughs> So, and then, of course, my first start was cool. Oh, yeah. That was fun. I remember when I talked to Coach about that, and that was just like – I was in a shock, really, and then we finally started, and that was it. And then it was the rest is history and raising the, my three for the first touchdown when I threw the first touchdown to Brian, who got drafted last night. Um, that was that was pretty special. And then, of course, meeting my girlfriend and, and uh, getting that getting Benny with her, that was fun. Um, and it's, it's really – I mean, it's it's crazy because our six months was just yesterday, and it's crazy to think you know we've only been here for, I mean, a year and I don't even a year and two months, and it feels like we've been here our whole lives right now. You know, it's crazy, and and we're thankful for all the memories that have happened this this year, um, two months, and all the memories that are to come because I know there's a heck of a lot more coming for sure. Dad, do you have any favorite memory that one that you can bring to mind? Well, I, I mean, there's there's a bunch, as you said. I, I really I enjoyed the the Hootie concert a lot, and meeting those guys, and you know, some of the friends around around that whole thing. That's a that's a pretty special group of, of folks. Um, being able to go to practice, um, you know, so often because we're so close, um, that was a lot of fun, and, and seeing you know some of the guys I I got to see all the time, um, and and of course be able to see Ryan and. and get him some lunch afterwards or visit with him. <laughs> that, that was, uh, that was great. Um, at first times, I mean, it's hard to describe. I got a lot of football friends, you know, my age that, 
that played. We all played, you know, when we were younger. And to try to describe that first, you know, game at, at Williams Bryce is is sort of, you know, it's it's a it's a pretty pretty tough thing to to explain if you've never been here. It's fun to watch it on TV and stuff, but to actually be there and tailgate with everybody and and get into the stadium and enjoy that that that's a lot of fun um so yeah so i'm looking forward to to that normal piece being back and i know it won't necessarily look exactly the same but um that that'll be fun as well so i I think there's i think those guys hit on a bunch of them but uh, and of course having a whole family here kelly's also here too yeah up the road and being able to just have him over and he has a dog named savage a, a brown lab uh, that comes over and plays and stuff. And those are memories I'll remember forever when they come over. I'm with my parents and Kelly and, and all the dogs are here playing around. So that's, that's always a good one. But we're thankful that everybody's here and close enough that we can see everybody whenever we want. And I have a memory that's right next to me right here. This shirt that he's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline cheerleading. Yes. Yes. Caroline cheerleading. <laughs> yes. And his girlfriend over here's shirt says, I sweat excellent. So I think Yes. It's good stuff. But we have so many. So many good ones. So did y'all so were y'all always always Hootie fans? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. Which night did y'all go to the concert? Friday. Okay, I was there on Wednesday. Okay. Wait, 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 Mark, was it Friday or Thursday? It was the first night. Which I think is Wednesday. Oh, <laughs> Friday! I know it was Friday. <laughs> I, it was Wednesday it, then. There you go. It was, was it the first night? I thought it was well, Thursday. Wednesday was the first night. Yeah, so they yeah. had to add an extra show because like the Thursday and Friday shows had sold out. Oh, gotcha. that's well, right. Well, then you guys must have saw each other. I could probably figure it out. I know it was great. in the same place. You know, just didn't probably. know. Probably. Yeah, yeah, just chilling, We're <laughs> jamming out. Close up to the front. It was great. Um, a funny story is that um, when Darius Rucker was here as a student, he was in a vocal, he was in a, a well, at that point it was a show choir um, called Carolina Alive, Alive. And Carolina Alive is now a vocal jazz ensemble, which I was a part of. No way. Yes, which I was a part of for four semesters. So it was crazy because um, this was the fall the, so the fall semester of my junior year, which was last year, um, I remember my teacher said, like, typically we were done after, like, our, our fall concert. But she said, so, like, I just got this weird, creepy message. It's just, like, we need y'all to kind of do keep this under hush-hush, but I need y'all to learn this song, the Tootie Medley, and things of that nature. And I'm like, we're like, okay. But we found out that, so Hootie um, was – Oh, going around the horseshoe filming with Craig Melvin, um, and we we didn't know that they were no they were filming to announce their their return for the uh-huh. TV show. So they filmed it a couple weeks in advance. Um, and the university, since they knew that they were going to you know film on the horseshoe, yeah. um, they, got in, they got in contact with my um, choir director and was like, "Can you get your students to get an ensemble together? I mean, of a hootie medley That's of, so of, cool. of their songs." So, like, while Hootie is going around the horseshoe, we're hiding in, like, a, in a, cor- <laughs> a corner um, by McCutcheon House, if you know where that is. And we're hiding yeah. by McCutcheon. And then suddenly, by the time the camera crew gets over there, we just kind of pop out. Um, <laughs> and then I remember my friend, her name is Alex Thompson. She said, 
Did y'all know that Carolina Live is still alive? <laughs> no <laughs> way. Singing and it's recorded on the Today Show. Um, and that's how I got to oh, oh, look so it up. Cool. We're going to watch oh, that yeah. after this for sure. So you can start singing in front of them. And like um, that's how we got to meet Hootie and the Blowfish. That's and so cool. What is so cool. Couldn't tell anybody. Oh. Yeah. And then two weeks, it finally came out. And then they announced that they were going back on tour, you know, for the group therapy tour and that they were getting back together. So we had to, we couldn't tell anybody for weeks, but it was really cool. Oh, that sounds so that cool. Look at that. It's probably on YouTube or something we could see. Yeah, it was, It should have been like today's show. It, it'll be like whenever like they were tur- like you know when they announced their comeback. Oh, um, okay. you'll, so you'll see us. You'll see me in the back with like glasses. That's so cool. Oh, <laughs> that is great. Wow. But yeah, that concert was a great night. Um, it's fun. It was amazing. Everybody's dancing and having a good old time. <laughs> and I think that for sure, like if you know, like I'm sure the, the whole tour was good, but I think that they were able to just say so many things. Like if you know this place, you know, like it was like so many things, like they were shouting out residence halls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were shouting out USC residence halls. I was like, do y'all remember like hanging out this place? I was like, yes, I do know where it's Um. And oh, I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, it was amazing. But I mean, like, who do you want to think about that? They'll always come back to Columbia, South Carolina. This is how yeah. we so, um, If you don't didn't get a chance, then you'll definitely get a chance in the future. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you. I, we just thought it'd be a bad idea if, if I got caught at the, at the <laughs> right. after practice or something. Understood. Understood. Well. Um, I know that you guys are probably very, very busy, even though you're going through the pandemic, even if you just want to spend time with your family. So we do not take your time lightly. And we thank you guys so, so much for spending this hour with us, um, um, having a good laugh and memory um, flashbacks, but also talking about important things such as mental health and uh, what you guys are contributing to that um, aspect. And so we thank you guys so, so much. We've already seen your more than generous donation to the COVID-19 um, Emergency Relief Fund, and we cannot thank you enough for that. Um, yeah. Yes, and it amazing. And all we ask, um, I know our, I have not been checking social media, I've just been in the screen, but if you guys could please promote on social media, we have after on six minutes, three more hours, and then... Oh, then you get a nap, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, update, um, we have raised... Three thousand four hundred sixty-five dollars and two cents, with three hours still left to go. Wow! Uh, let me do it. So this is cool. I we I hope we make it to at least four thousand. Um, so really, on the stories, we'll get some. I'll get some people. Hopefully. Right. Well, what you guys are doing is amazing. <laughs> and I'm I'm so proud of you, and the university I'm sure is too, and grateful for all that you're doing. Uh, so. Well-deserved accolades for, yes. for both of you guys yes. and everybody who's taken their time to, to be on. And, and, I mean, that's what that's what this school is all about, taking care of each other, being there for each other. It's family, you yeah. know. It's wonderful. Well, yes, thank you guys for allowing us to share and bring up memories that I sometimes forget about. So it was fun to bring those back up. So thank you guys. Appreciate you having us on. Keep it up. Yes. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have a great day, guys. Yes, Thanks. you guys too. All right, y'all. Bye. Yeah, that was a, so. Um, 
I have uh, been in contact with um, um, the Linsky parents, uh, Ryan's parents, um, Kim and Mark, and we were talking about certain initiatives for student government, but I just like, like all of the guests that have come on the podcast, um, we were just like, who are notable names? And so, Valencia's, of course. And I shoot uh, him an email yeah. when? Yesterday? Yeah, I remember I met Ryan last year during campaign season. Um, and, like, he was so great uh, and really, like, just so funny. Um, like, just, and I mean, like, really just a great sport about everything. Um, we giving us Helinski's hope bracelets. I mean, to give out at tabling, and just because like he really did believe in that vision, and um, luckily Sophie was able to implement some of those things during her term of like that Helinski's hope does. And I know that um, you plan on being able to work with them in the future during your term, and so. Yeah. But I like it was we. I was just I was just talking about like how even it came to be because Ryan wasn't technically supposed to be yeah, he one. Wasn't. Like I, I I reached out to Kim and Mark and then they were like, of course we would be on. So I'm thinking like, which is still amazing. Like they were gonna talk about Lindsay's hope, um, their memories as parents of Ryan and and everything of that sort. So to see that Ryan came on with the dog and his girlfriend, that um, that's amazing. I think that they're really just such a strong family um, and like their faith is inspiring um, and a lot of people can't do what they do, um, be able to use, I mean, such a painful situation and turn it into purpose and to use it to save someone else's life. I mean, and to just properly, I mean, beyond properly use their platform um, to do amazing things in the world, um, just hats off to them. They're really great, um, and I'm really glad that we got a chance to talk to them. Um, that was really cool. We have about two minutes um, before we jump into hour three. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are y'all doing? Good. Thank you for agreeing to come on and share your story and talk with us for the next hour. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. I don't have anything else to do, right? <laughs> no. no. Kind of figured a few, a couple of people had some free time on their hands. But yeah. Oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> Hello, Shannon. How are you? Hey, Jordan. Hi. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. Hello, how are you? So good. It's so good to see you guys. You are crushing it. You're almost done. We're almost done. We're almost done. But this, I have to say, we've had a lot of, like, big names. So you're following the Helensky family. But um, Don Staley has been on. Um, we have Mayor Benjamin. Very names people. President Castlin, of course. Many, many people. But I have to say, I am very excited for this next hour. Um, I know we're going to talk about a lot of things, um, serious topics, but necessary to talk about. And um, both Jordan and Olivia, uh, you guys have amazing testimonies. And so we're here all ears. I think this is going to be a little bit different from um, past hours so I really want to give you guys the time to like say your testimony as of course Shannon you interfere whenever you would like and then at the end we can ask questions if we have time if that makes sense. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah, thank you. But first, if you would please introduce yourself so everyone will know um, who you guys are. I guess I'll start and then I'll introduce you guys. Um, so I'm Shannon Henry and I teach in the PE department and I teach a class called Self-Defense for Women. And um, I'm just so fortunate to be there and I get to meet incredible people like Hannah and I get to meet incredible people like Jordan and Liv and Lyric. I haven't met you yet, but I can't wait. Um, and through that class, we learn all kinds of things, um, but we look at um, how to protect yourself from so many different things, whether it's an unhealthy relationship all the way to a potential mass casualty event. So we look at all of those. Um, we focus on mental, physical strength, self-confidence, self-worth. And oftentimes we'll have somebody come in um, who speaks on behalf of their story. Liv and Jordan both have done that, um, have both taken classes and, um, are just amazing women. So when you asked me if I wanted to be on here, I, immediately I was like, oh, yes, with Liv and Jordan, absolutely. So um, I'm so excited that they're here too, and I'll let them introduce themselves and tell you more about them. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start, or do you want to start, Olivia? No, you go. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, my name is Jordan Dinsmore. Um, I attended the University of South Carolina from 2015 to 2019. Um, and during that time, um, I had an incident where I was victimized. Um, three men actually came up to me in the parking lot of my apartment complex and um, pulled a gun on me and robbed me. Um, after that, they were going to take me to an ATM to have me pull money out for them. Um, during that, um, they were, you know, like, of course, still threatening me with the gun, saying that if I tried to do anything or get away, that they would shoot me. And um, after I pulled the money out, I'd taken my seatbelt off to um, to try and reach the ATM buttons because I'm a small person. <laughs> and um, something kind of told me just to not put it back on because I was trying to think of ways to get out of this situation. I was trying to think, you know, like, could I crash the car into something, could I crash the car into somebody else or something, just anything to get someone else's attention, but in all of the ways that I thought of, it ended with either me getting hurt possibly more than them or or me hurting someone else, like causing an accident or, you know, they just, they just weren't viable options. So I eventually came to the conclusion that I needed to get as much distance from me and them with the gun as possible. And I just started thinking, what, what if I just jumped out of the car while it was moving to get that distance and, you know, do it at a decently safe speed to where I could kind of not hurt myself in the process. And um, as we're driving along after getting money out of the ATM, they said that they were going to drop me off at some location, like their aunt's house. And... I said, well, no, you don't want to do that. Let me just drop you off on the side of the road because then I'll know, like, where you live, and that wouldn't be good. And they said, no, um, we're going to take you there, and they told me that I was going to be raped as well. And I was thinking about it in my head and just thinking, you know, like, could I be okay after this and thinking about how it would happen and how it would affect me. And I just thought, you know, I'd, I would rather 
hurt myself trying to get out of this than to just go along with it because I don't think that that would end well and I don't think that I would be okay after that um and so we're driving along the road and I know that I need to still have some person near me so that they don't just drag me off the side of the road again after I jump out so I wait until there's headlights in the distance and it was the strangest feeling because as the headlights get closer to me, I can visually see my window of opportunity closing. And I just think, you know, do it now, do it now, do it now. And the 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 best way that I found to describe the situation was something in the book of fear. Um, and that's a very, very good book that I recommend people reading, especially women. And um, one of the stories in there, she said that it wasn't it wasn't like she decided to do what she needed to do to get out of the situation. It was like fear took over her body and did it for her. And that's how I describe jumping out of the vehicle. I don't remember making the decision to actually pull the handle, open the door, and jump. And I barely even have any memory of it. It's just the next thing that I know, I saw the pavement running, like, well, not running, but I saw the pavement going underneath me. And then I just remember rolling. And um, so after I, like, wake up, I'm in the middle of the street, and the car's still coming towards me, and I get up and try and run in the direction away from the vehicle, and I fall, and I hope nothing is broken, and I get back up and gain my balance and sprint away, and the first two cars passed me, and then the third woman stopped for me, and got me in her vehicle, called 911 for me, and um, led me to, got me to the uh, gas station where we met police. And eventually the three people were caught, and they're now in jail. Um, They were all juveniles, so their information is not public or anything, but yeah. And I've I've talked at the SAS classes as well as um, done Dr. Oz, and I've done the the state paper and all of that good stuff, just too many to name, honestly. <laughs> but it, I just really thought that it was important to get talking after my after what happened happened because I wanted other people to be aware because this wasn't an isolated incident that these guys had done. They had been doing stuff like this, and I just thought, wow, I really wish that I would have known that stuff like this was happening right near me because maybe I would have been more careful. So that's why I thought that it was really important to share my story and to just get the word out there. I obviously had no idea how big it would get and um, how much it would identify with so many people. I mean, just the flood of Facebook messages that I got from people that had either been through something similar or fathers talking about, I told my daughter your story because I want her to be safe. And it was just, it was really, really nice to get all those stories as well to have people share that stuff with me that was really um it's a private thing you know so i take it really seriously when people reach out to me with their stories as well um okay so i'll i'll go now (laughs) um the thing you said about just connecting with other people and realizing how similar your stories are there was a lot of things that you said that resonated with what happened to me as well um, my name's Olivia Hassler, by the way. I was a track and field athlete at USC. Um, I was in an abusive relationship that was from high school through 
uh, my first year of college at USC. So I experienced a lot of emotional abuse because I'm not originally from South Carolina and that's kind of how it started. Um, just controlling what I was doing, where I was going, who I was seeing at USC, doing like going out with everything. And to me, I just kind of didn't recognize the symptoms of and red flags of what abuse even was. That wasn't even on my radar at the time. I don't think I ever was taught what abuse was. I think it was just, if you're being abused, you would know. And for me, I had to learn that those controlling behaviors did count as abuse. And it was actually leading up to a single event that occurred when I returned from college after my first year. And um, that single event ended up being a violent one. The the other ones were emotional, a lot of phone calls, a lot of um, location tracking. But when I got home, it ended up exploding into a violent situation where I went back to his house and I was just trying to leave the situation. Um, Jordan, you said something about you were sitting there thinking, am I going to be okay after this? And I started having the same exact thoughts. Like, can I continue in this relationship or am I going to be in this forever in a situation that's so unhealthy? And I just decided I can't do this anymore. And whatever the cost of that was, I was willing to hurt myself at the time and get hurt by him to just, at the end of the day, be done with it when I left. Um, And I remember it was a lot of just physical punching, kicking, choking. And I was trapped in the basement of his home and no one else was home. It was just me and him. And I was just kind of letting him tire himself out because I was sitting there the whole time, just formulating a plan and thinking, how am I going to escape this? Um, And I was thinking about how can I get out of this place? So I just ran to a storm cellar, which I know they don't have them here in South Carolina. I always have to explain this. If you've ever seen the movie Twister, it's the thing they run down with the the two doors that open. So I got to those doors thinking I could get to the backyard and just run down the alley. And when I got there, there was something over the top of it. So I got stuck after I had just done one of the most dangerous things that I ever could have done, which was run. And um, when I got there, I didn't realize that there were doors coming from the back as well. So I got shut in that small space, basically seven steps of seven steps of space going up, just complete darkness. Um, And I just thought I'm going to die. I mean, I, I am going to sit here and, I don't know what he's going to do when those doors open. Um, So again, I thought, how am I going to get out? Because I just could not imagine being there for one more second. And I didn't care what the cost was. So I ran the second time once the doors got opened. And he pulled me by my ponytail back down the stairs from his basement and slammed my head into the ground a few times. Um, And that lost my consciousness I woke up in a tub with water just running on my face and he kept asking me, do you still love me? I love you. I just got lost my temper, giving me every excuse in the book for his behavior. And again, I just could not imagine staying. I just was done. And I just said no, because I was exhausted. And he slammed my head a few more times. And then I woke up in a hospital 
And for me, it was terrifying because the first thing they said was, oh, yeah, your boyfriend has been here to check to see if you're okay. And I just freaked out and passed out. Um, And then after that, I basically just spent the rest of that summer running from him because I didn't want to admit to my parents what had actually happened because they had told me all along he kind of was bad news. I didn't want to listen. And I was so ashamed of what had happened and I guess the extent of what had happened that I wasn't willing to really admit it to anyone, including myself at the time. So I just filled my time doing everything and anything that I could have to just get to August when I knew I would go back to school at USC. Um, And I came back to USC. I tried to function. I guess you could say I was functioning, but when you're a student athlete, you have no choice. I mean, you have to go to practice. You have to go to study hall. You have to go, you have to eat meals together. You're always surrounded by people, but I felt like I was a shell of a person and I wasn't even there. Um, And then eventually about October, I finally broke down to my roommate Maya and explained to her that what had happened and that I just couldn't keep it up anymore. Um, And that was kind of the first step of me moving forward in, in the process of healing. You know, it's, it's a long process and it takes time, but that was a really big step for me. And then I finally told my parents and um, eventually after some counseling and, and dealing with what had actually happened, I went to the athletic department and expressed an interest in sharing my story because at the time we had saw basically all over um, the student athlete dining facility at the Doty. Um, It was when there was the Adrian Peterson Hope Solo, all those people were on TV all day, 24-7, replaying um, the elevator incident with Ray Rice, everything. It was, like, too much for me, and I wanted people to know that athletes aren't just abusers. They're not violent people, that athletes can be abused as well, because a lot of people think, oh, you're strong. I was a thrower, so I was, you know, I lift a lot, and they think that you're just immune from being put in this position, so then I decided that I should share my story and explain, you know, what had happened. And then it got leaked to, well, not leaked, but it got shared with um, ESPNW and SEC Network. And then from there, I basically had the same response as Jordan, where I had a lot of people reach out to me. Um, And even learning that he had done this after me, that there were people who he had been controlling with afterward um it was kind of shocking and but also validating that it wasn't just me i there's not something wrong with me it's a behavior by one person that is just perpetuated over and over and over again um and then from there i kept advocating i took self-defense with shannon um I rushed and took it at the army base actually with some of the um, national guard uh, members. And that was a really cool experience, but the self-defense really helped me learn how to rewire my brain and make me feel safe because I never felt safe again after that. Um, Even 600 some miles away from him, I still felt like he was breathing down my neck. Um, so I just had to learn how to, how to redo things. Um, and then I went to law school at USC as well. So 
WSC alum, and now I'm an attorney in Columbia. So that's my story and a quick intro about me. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit more later about some more specific information. That's amazing. Um, and, you know, one of the things, and I don't know what all you, you all want to talk about, but um, one of the things I'll say about both of these women is, um, you know, we talk often about our intelligence quotient and the fact that we're in a university setting, 6% of the people in the world have a college degree, right? So we know that these are intelligent people within our classrooms and we have to understand that violence, um, stalking, harassment, it happens all the time and it crosses every socioeconomic barrier. It, it, it crosses everything. Um, and you can look at them and, and you can see that clearly that, you know, these things happen and they happen on our campus because our campus is a microcosm of the rest of the world. So it's not excluded from the things that happen in the rest of the world, although we wish it would be. Um, but I think what, you know, you see in them is you have this intelligence quotient and then you have this emotional quotient, this EQ and both of these women have this high emotional quotient and they were able to take all of those emotions that you're bombarded with in something that involves trauma and really you can hear both of them sought to find counseling and support in different ways for the emotional portion but then there's this adversity quotient that you see in people in AQ and what I love about Liv and what I love about Jordan is that their AQ is off the charts. Your AQ is your ability to take adversity and then flip it on its head and stand on top of it and say, no, I win. And they both did that. And they've done it over and over again, but then they shared it with the rest of the world, which is just so beautiful. And we do. We have to be able to trust our bodies. We have to have a plan. Um, we have to know what our resources are. Um, because the statistics tell us that one in five women in college will be sexually assaulted. Um, one in three of us in our lifetime will experience relationship violence or stalking. So the statistics are there. And whether you learn these things and come up with a plan, not to be paranoid, but to have a plan, kind of the same way you do in school when you have a tornado drill and you have a fire drill, the one thing you don't have in an emergency is time. And, you know, they know that and I know that. And so what we try to do is make sure that everybody has a plan so that they can limit the amount of time that they're sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? And you saw in both of them the way their bodies kicked in and they trusted it and they went with it. Jordan mentioned The Gift of Fear, which is an incredible book um, by Gavin DeBecker that everybody should read um, that talks about that, talks about trusting your gut and trusting your instinct that those instincts are there to get you from A to Z without having to go through B, C, D, E, F, G. It's your body recognizing danger before you do. The problem is, is that so often we sit there and we discount it. We say, oh, well, I'm just being crazy or it's dark outside, so I'm just nervous. Um, we have to be able to trust our instincts and to trust our bodies. And so that's what you hear in them is just this high IQ they already had, EQ they already had, but that adversity quotient that we see in so many USC students. Um, God, I love this school. I can't believe they came me to work here. <laughs> I just love this school. And I love our girls. Yeah, and I know, um, first of all, thank, again, I know I said it before, but thank you guys so much for sharing your stories. Um, and, I mean, I just can't even, I can't even imagine, but even how 
I don't know if this is the time. I don't know if you're hearing any more. Can I start asking, like, questions? Okay, perfect. But um, just I know in the short um, snippet of when you were telling your testimony, at the end of the day, you guys both had the realization that you had to speak out. But um, can you talk a little bit about that um, controversy of even should I or shouldn't I or even how do I continue my, like, how do I go about living after this circumstance, that makes sense. I know both of you guys mentioned the self-defense um, really played a huge part, but still um, mentally, how how did you have to motivate yourself or pick yourself back up, um, or if it was a support system that helped you as well, in order to continue um, to move on throughout life, but still always have that in your head and make it known that that happened. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, I have an amazing support system. Both my parents and my stepmom and my brother instantly came to Columbia to, you know, be there with me during that time. They live in Charleston, which is about two hours away. Um, so they were with me during the first night where it was, like, really rocky, and I just, like, obviously was not in a good headspace. Um, but it was shortly after that that, I used um, my roommate's social media to post warnings out because I had my phone taken, so I didn't have a way to access my social media. But I used hers to post just quick little things online so that my friends and family would know, hey, there's something going on here. These guys haven't been caught yet. Um, it's dangerous out here. Be careful. And um, that just got picked up really quickly, um, first by, I think it was um, – the Garnet newspaper actually and then the state and it was only like two or three days later that they were asking for interviews for me and I found that once I did that first one it really kind of going through it and talking to people about it really helped me work through it myself as well and something that I've always said is the more that I talk about my story and the more that I tell it the less it's something that's looming over me constantly every day and the more it's something that's kind of compartmentalized where I can pull this out when I need it, but it, I can also put it away and go about my life and my business without having to worry about this popping out over me. Um, so that sharing my story and talking about it and talking to others who have similar stories is really what helped me kind of go on that day-to-day -day life. I mean, like everyone, I still have situations where I get nervous. I just, it's, different for people that have been victims because we actually have something that has happened where, oh, it really could happen, you know, instead of just the what if, the what ifs are the worst part about my story because I think I had a pretty, I had a very good ending for what could have happened, so it's mostly the what ifs that freak me out, and if I get, but if I get tangled up in the what ifs so much, then I won't be able to move forward and really process what actually happened. Um, so for me, I also had a really great support system. I actually had my roommate, Maya, who I originally told the first time. Maya. I brought her up here. Um, I also have my fiance that I, I'm forcing to come on, another USC alum. This Hello. is someone I dated after, obviously, so I want him to talk about the support he had to provide me, you know, following. Um, but I'll start just talking about the support that I had. So I also, my parents were great. I think a lot of people don't understand that when you go through something like this, it's just shameful. And even if you know, it's not your fault, it's just something that 
you have to overcome. And I think for me, my parents, the first thing that they said was, you should go to therapy and speak to someone because this isn't normal. Um, and I think that kind of triggered something in me to realize you're not supposed to be abused, even though it's such a normal, I don't even want to say normal, but it happens. So <laughs> yeah. but I, I knew that I needed help because I could not do this on my own. Um, and I think maybe my, you can talk a little bit about what it was like when I first told you and maybe how I was acting. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, like Luke said, I was her roommate, and we were a couple feet dividing us, so <laughs> every day I was right there with her, and I started started with, she started saying she had headaches, um, she was getting headaches a lot, and I was just like, okay, that's getting kind of often, um, and she just told me she was going to the doctor, and I was like, okay, and then and her behavior, I started to see that she was having really, like, highs and really low lows, so she would be really excited and be out all the time and going out with friends and never in her room. And then the next day she wouldn't come out of her room and she was just like, um, it was up and down roller coaster. And then also just seeing her kind of, okay, we all coming together and then seeing her really trying to find validation from people, from friends, from her family, but especially um, from guys. So she had that experience um, where this guy put her down and was constantly just constantly trying to um, like get his approval and make him happy, keep him happy, so that he didn't do anything um, to harm her. And I saw that transfer to her to everyone that she was interacting with. And like you're kind of wild, in. and I didn't didn't realize, you know, why um, that was happening. So and I could just imagine her head like, if only you knew, like if only you knew what I had been through. And you would understand kind of why I'm really trying to um, seek validation from everyone else. And uh, when I when she told me, I was in shock. I was like, hard to even <laughs> remember because I just like you go you're in shock and you experience something like that. I was just like, okay, no one's ever told me anything like this. I'm years later. I'm like, I wish you now that I've been in doing psychology and I'm uh, going into like therapist and so. Then I don't know how I helped her, and this is an innate thing, <laughs> but um, just like how can you support her in that moment? No, nobody else, um, as much as you may want to go and get that guy that did this to her, like that he doesn't matter. It's it's all about her and what she wanted in that moment. And I think it helped so that I was the first to like believe her and to not ask any questions about whether or not it was true. I just immediately believe what she said and. Um, told her that it wasn't her fault and that that wasn't something normal. It wasn't something that should have happened to her. And how can we move on from this? How do I help her heal? And just listening to her, trying to support her. And um, from on, from that moment on. And so she told me in October, and then I organized this domestic violence walk that same October that I thought could help um, her to kind of see that there are other people, there's a ton of other people that have experienced this, there's a lot of people wanting to support you and I think that was one of the first ways I was able to help uh, just to get her out there and then just on the daily I was watching my girl after that and so she was living with her really helped because you kind of, I could was able to check up on her without having to check up on her, you know, like was being, was there and just 
a support system and listening, make sure she was all right just on the daily. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted Maya to join because I think it's important to know how to support people too. And I was going to have her come during my segment, but I figured this is kind of, I know the question was about supporting and what support. So I wanted to bring her in quick, but that experience was very crucial to me because getting the support of being believed and then also getting our whole team, I think went out to that domestic violence walk. A lot of people did. Um, and just no one knew what happened yet. Um, I think we just kind of put it out there. Like I wanted to see how people reacted because I was scared to, to be honest about what had happened. And Maya was the only one that knew. And then I got that great support from the track team at USC as well. Um, and that was so crucial to me, but I also wanted to talk about support after the fact, because that first support, it does put you on like a high. And I rode that wave, felt great about it. And then about a year ago and some change last, not this past August of 2019, but 2018, I actually got a call that the guy who did this was going to become a police officer. So I got a call from the police department. I got a call. Um, they called me several times, all always at night, um, like seven o'clock, 10 o'clock, eight something. And it totally re-triggered me. And I think having that strong basis of friend support, family support, and um, knowing that I went to therapy and dealt with this once, because I totally relapsed on how I was feeling emotionally at the time. Um, and I actually went back to therapy at the time. So I think it's important to know that that support isn't just for that one moment that it needs to continue because, you know, there's things that happen randomly during the day that might trigger somebody. Or um, I know sometimes even now, if I only started wearing my hair in a ponytail like four months ago, again, because I just was scared of, and, and I didn't even realize that until someone pointed it out to me, like your hair's so nice in a ponytail. Why don't you ever wear it that way? And then I thought about it and it's because I don't want anyone to pull it. And, um, I think understanding that and moving on in your life and realizing that you can lean on your support moving forward is so important. Um, and I wanted my fiance to just talk about how to support someone if you're dating someone who has been in a violent relationship, because I had the pleasure of being Googled immediately by my fiance and his family <laughs> when we first dated. So they knew everything up front. Which... Oh, yeah. Mine was a great first date story uh, with the boyfriend <laughs> that I have now. He was like, I'm dating Batman, you guys. <laughs> Exactly. And honestly, though, it, it ended up at first I was embarrassed. And I was like, Oh, my God, already day one, they know everything about me. But then it ended up being a blessing because I didn't have to be anybody else. And I didn't have to have this great connection formed. And like Maya said, I was looking for validation. But no one knew how to validate me because they didn't know what I had been through. So I think knowing that from the beginning, kind of allowed him to make the decision, do I want to be with someone who is going through something like that, like, am I emotionally ready? So I'm going to let him chat. Yeah, I'll switch <laughs> All right. Hello, everyone. Hey, Johnny. Johnny. Um, I'm Olivia's fiance. Uh, I'm also a USC grad uh, for underschool, and I got my master's in teaching. Um, so 
let's let's see where we start. So, Liv and I got introduced by a friend, uh, a friend on the track team, and a friend that I actually went to high school with. Um, and when he introduced me, I didn't really know anything about Liv or her story or anything like that. And he kind of like gave me a warning uh, going into it. He was just like, "Hey, just you know, before you do this, you need to be serious about it. You know, don't play any games or anything like that." So I was just like, "Okay." I mean. I think I'm a pretty serious guy, you know, I can, you know, be serious at times, whatever. But then I kind of did like deeper research and then I found out kind of what, you know, what she went through and stuff like that. And I, I'll be honest for a second. I was like, hmm, do, you know, do I want to, you know, be a part of this? Because I know she's probably going through some things that I personally won't be able to relate to or be able to, you know, help. Um, but, you know, I was sitting there with my mom and dad and we were watching her video and my mom like kind of like almost broke into tears. <laughs> and my mom was just like, she seems amazing, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I know, right? Like, we've been texting for two months and like, I don't want to, you know, be that guy to be like, oh, I watched your video. This isn't going to work. You know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so like I watched the video and I told my parents, I was like, hey, I'm not going to judge her. You know, whatever she went through, if she wants to tell me about it, I'm all ears. But if not, you know, that's something that, you know, she has to deal with. And surprisingly, when we first started, you know, really getting serious, you know, she opened up to me about it. And at first, I, you know, I was angry because I was just like, how can this happen, you know, to someone great like Liv? And then, like, what, you know, makes, you know, someone get that angry? But then that was just me not knowing, you know, what goes on in situations like that. Um, but I didn't really start realizing um, how much it affected her until we got pretty serious in our relationship. Uh, when I was, like, staying over at her house and, like, we were hanging out kind of, like, 24-7. Um, at first, you know, I didn't realize it until she was sleeping one night and she, like, started having a really, really bad nightmare. And I was just like, uh, what do I do? But, you know, that was, like, my first time really encountering someone with, you know, a nightmare like that, you know, literally having a terrible nightmare but not waking up. You know, we have, like, normal, if we have a nightmare, I, you know, you wake up out of it or something like that. But she would like somewhat go deeper into the like into the sleep. So what I would do instead of waking her up, I would just grab her really tight, you know, grab her really tight, and then she would wake up on her own. And then I would just tell her like, "Hey, I'm right here, you know, everything's fine, everything's good." And like, she would start crying early on into the relationship because you know she would wake up scared. And after after a while, you know, she realized that, you know, I was there and I wasn't going to do anything to hurt her and I wasn't going to let anyone hurt her. So I think, you know, that kind of, you know, opened her up a little bit to be more free and, you know, kind of, you know, tell me like, hey, this bothers me. Don't do that. Like, you know, she started, you know, filling me in on her triggers and I started picking them up. And now, you know, I know them like the back of my hand and I'll realize if someone else is doing it and I'll just be like, hey do you want to get out of this situation or do you want to stay here? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, so she's done a really good job, you know, showing me, you know, the ins and outs of being with someone with, you know, a story and a story like you guys. And I think that I've done a, a decent job and I know my job isn't, you know, anywhere near over. And, you know, I love live with all my heart. So no matter what, you know, I'm going to stick by her side and, um, that's just about it on my side. Uh, she's wonderful. You know, I just kind of stay in the background and let her do her thing. And if she needs me, she needs me. <laughs> but other than that, you know, she's a, she's a warrior, you know, so. Good job. Thank you.
That is beautiful. <laughs> I do have a question. Um, so one thing that I was telling Hannah while we were kind of scheduling out some of these episodes, well, not well, this large podcast on, but um, some of the things that we wanted to cover, and one of the things that I did want to um, uh, talk about was domestic violence, uh, just because I think, like, right now, um, there's a lot of things going on, especially in the midst of this quarantine, and there's a lot of people um, who may be quarantined with their abuser um, are just having to return to difficult home lives and um, situations where people might not feel safe um, and just might feel stuck. Um, so do y'all have any, like, tips or anything that um, if anybody is in, in a situation like that um, are going through any of these things, things that they could do to uh, make themselves safe if they feel like they're quarantined with their abuser or they just don't have the resources that they need or they're really in a difficult situation. Um, yeah, I can speak on this. Definitely. I've been looking a lot into this because the time that people really report is when they're by themselves, when their abuser is at work or um, somewhere else but right now there's so much surveillance almost over somebody and what they're doing what they're searching on their computer um, and now is a really important time in understanding maybe the dynamics of, of power control within a couple um, and just the mental control someone might have um, because this pandemic almost example or um, it almost I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, enhances. Enhances. <laughs> it, makes, it makes the tactics of abuse almost stronger because they can say things like, well, if you report me now, I'm going to go to jail where I might catch COVID and die. Or they'll say they'll withhold um, hand sanitizer, disinfectants. Um, and then also survivors are scared to go to shelters because you're not even supposed to be within six feet of people, but then you want to go be, no one wants to go be with a bunch of strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really, really tough. Um, but what, what I've been trying to do is speak to people who have reached out to me about creating a safety plan. Um, right now, I don't, if you don't have somewhere to go, it's, it becomes a lot more difficult, but you can start planning for when things open up um, because Now's the time where you can get all your documents together, get everything that you need. Think of where do I need to go? Um, because it's terrifying right now to be stuck in a house with somebody. Um, I, I always tell people to reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline because the shelters, it's hard to tell who's open, what services are you providing. Um, they have a 1-800 number. It's 1-800-799-7233. And if you text... um, Could you repeat that again? Um, I want to put that in... I want to put it in the YouTube stream. Um, Type it to? Yeah. Yeah, just type type it, and then I'll copy and paste it and put it in the YouTube stream. Hey, Lyric, a really easy way to remember that number is that it's 800 and then one less than 800, which is 799, and then SAFE. So 1-800-799-SAFE. That's the way I've always remembered it. It just makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, I was reading it off their website because I wanted to make sure the number's right. (laughs) These are two different numbers, so which one is it? They're both. They're both. They have two numbers for the hotline. Okay. numbers going at all times the 799 safe one is the bottom one um and then love is 
you can text that to the 22522 and that, that you can get in touch with someone that way as well. It's just text is sometimes a little bit more discreet. Um, if, if they can have a way to communicate that way. Um, but I know for the bar association, I'm part of the voices against violence committee and, um, we deal with domestic violence issues. And what I'm trying, what we're trying to do is everyone is taking a couple counties and calling law enforcement and asking what the procedure is right now, what the procedure was, um, and then calling shelters and figuring out how we need to contact. Are they open? So there's like a lot of people reaching out right now, trying to figure out even what's going on because there's a lot in the dark. Um, but what I would say is, is if you are in trouble, call the police. I mean, they are limiting the amount of people that can go into jails right now, but that means that the virus is not spreading. So if someone is telling you that it's not true. Um, and I just want people to reach out to their, their local law enforcement as well. If they really feel that they are in immediate danger, um, because it's not worth it. Yeah. And I would add to that with, um, you know, you want to advocate for yourself and speak up. A lot of times we, especially as women, will say, you know, I just kind of, things just aren't good right now. If things are really bad, bad enough for women to call law enforcement, there's something going on. So you may encounter somebody when you call to anybody out there who's in this kind of situation and does decide to speak up. There's going to be all kinds of personalities that potentially answer the phone for anybody, right? With law enforcement, if the first person doesn't hear you and doesn't take you seriously, find the next person. Don't ever stop and think, okay, well, I'm just, I'm just blowing this up and they don't think it's a big deal, so it must not be a big deal. If your body and your mind and your heart say it's a big deal, it's a big deal, and you find the resources and you find the person, don't ever stop advocating for yourself. It will help you. Um, I wanted to be able to, I want to pull up the number because there's some USC-specific resources um, um, from our Save office that I also wanted to put into the chat. Um, but, let's see. I, I, the, oh, there it is. I think, like, that number is still working. Um, 803-777-8248. Um, and Save Up, it stands for Sexual Assault Interpersonal Violence Prevention, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, the, that's the on campus. Um, I know a lot of people who um, are listening to this are not from USC specifically, but um, there are some student-specific resources. Um, that, so I wanted to share that as well. No, that's great. And the other thing is, you know, a lot of students don't understand that you can go there for past trauma, too, that maybe happened in high school or as a child. You can still go and utilize their resources, um, whether it was – Somebody did something to you, like I said, as a child or in high school. Um, it's a great, it's a great resource. And after hours, so after 5 p.m., you have to call the USC Police Department. But when you call them, um, all you have to do is say, "I want to speak to somebody, an advocate from Save It," and they'll transfer you immediately. You don't have to give your name or anything like that. You just tell them that you want to speak to somebody from from Save It. 
And then I know that um, Olivia touched on a few things with Jordan. If you did, I just wanted to make sure you didn't have anything else to add to that um, answer to that question. Oh, yeah. Well, I am honestly not too knowledgeable about domestic violence um, because, um, I mean, I know the basics, but I think that they definitely covered everything. But, um, uh, Liv, when you were talking about, like, certain triggers and stuff, um, it reminded me that I I did have an issue. It was it was really weird because my triggers weren't normal, I guess, normal <laughs> triggers, um, where it would be, like, you know, the apartment parking lot or this or that but um mine was I mean a, a few months a while after my attack I just started getting random nightmares as well and I, I would just have I mean my most common dream is just I'm running and somebody's chasing me or something is chasing me and I don't know what it is and I just run 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 all night long and then I just wake up exhausted because I've been running in my dreams all night and I yes yes and I don't know like I don't even always know what I'm running from it's not like oh well there's a guy with a gun chasing me it's like no I'm just sprinting around <laughs> but, um and I, I noticed that these dreams started getting kind of worse and then I realized oh my gosh the one year anniversary is coming up and so now I I realize like around my anniversary of the event I start to get these dreams and I start to get feel a little funky and now I, I recognize that feeling as, okay, the anniversary is coming up. This is the thing that will happen. I'll talk about it for a while, and then it will pass, and then I'll be good, you know, and I'm sure. But, yeah, it, it was just when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, yeah, that definitely happens because I'm, I'm not near my date, I guess, right now. So I, I just kind of forget that that stuff happens until it starts happening again. Oh, here it is. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting about that, Jordan, too, is with trauma – People wonder about triggers a lot and how they pop up and why, but your body recognizes the weather patterns from when that happened to you. So when they start to accumulate again, your body goes, we have to, we have to prepare. This could happen again. Like we have to be, you know, so that's your body just trying to, our bodies always act to protect us and that's your body acting to protect you. And I think once you recognize that, like you have, and you can say, okay, this this time of year, this is going to happen, and categorize that. It helps to go through it. Most definitely, it, it was it was a big thing where you were talking about how you know our body does things, and we might not really know why they're doing it. And so that was a oh, the, my subconscious popping out, and then me realizing why later. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but y'all are guests for fifty four through fifty six. <laughs> of today um wow well it's definitely more of y'all on the line but maybe the numbers are wrong okay um but we yeah we are 56 guests in for the day um and hey we got two hours left yeah in 10 minutes two hours. <laughs> yeah. um so we've been asking all of our guests um to donate to the fund we've had people donate as little as one dollar and we've had somebody donate as much as 1,501. So it's a wide berth there, um, anywhere in between. Um, and so, like, we are just so excited. Um, currently, I think the total is we are at $3,465.02 raised. Um, so hoping to get to at least 4000 before we close out. Um, that's the goal. But 
we are just so thankful for um, your knowledge, um, teaching people how to defend themselves, um, that they're not alone, and um, to destigmatize and really destigmatizing these conversations because um, I don't think that they're really had enough, especially in dar- it's dark times like this um, for a lot of people. Um, I- I'm really glad that y'all were here to be able to shed a light on these things, um, and we're just lucky to have you um, and that you were able to just be here and share knowledge and share smile and really just, I mean, just be uh, a bright light um, in times like these and really kind of, I, I think we've been having a lot of fun throughout the podcast a but really just talk about some more serious things and really use this platform um, for good. Yeah, I think, I think we are covered uh, specifically on um, Jordan and Olivia. Um, I'll echo. Thank you again so, so, so much for sharing your testimonies. Um, and answering a few of our questions. But specifically, thank you to Shannon. Um, the platform that you have, Asasco, is amazing. And so I know there's so many girls like Olivia and Jordan that really um, lean to you when it comes to these things and know that they can always rely and trust in you. And so creating that platform, again, like we were saying, destigmatizing um, things that this, like, cause this happens all the time. And so making sure that people can speak up and that they can get the help that they need and life does continue on after that is huge and so um, for you to be a big advocate and ally and using your platform really we've only met maybe a couple weeks ago and already like I'm truly inspired so um, thank you all for coming on for this hour and um, sharing um, to a little bit of the world your testimony and making a difference in two ways yeah and I'll just say you know in closing University of South Carolina, you know, I get to travel to different universities and do our program at different universities, and they're all unique. They're all their own little city, Um, but the University of South Carolina is home, and anything I can ever do to contribute to our Gamecock Nation is, you know, I'm always on board. Um, Like I said, I can't believe that I get to work there. but the community that exists there always seeks to pull each other through, whether it's at a sporting event or it's in times of crisis, that's what we do. And so the fact that you two have been up for almost 24 hours and are still here plugging through, you are the champions leading everybody through this. I ho- I tagged Darius Rucker and begged him to come on, and he was doing a podcast-a-thon for the NFL, and I was like, well, why not for USC? I know he loves the Gamecocks. So I hope that, you know, that you reach your goal. Um, You certainly represent the university in a way that is so profound and so beautiful and articulates for everyone the beauty that you can find on our campus and our students and the resiliency and how we pull together. So... I just can't thank you enough for doing what you're doing. You know, you you saw a need and you reacted and you did what you need to do. I remember, and I'll just say this really quickly, but when everything first started, people who knew me and knew that I worked at the university said, you know, are you seeing all these college kids that are in Florida and they're partying because they were showing that on the news a lot. And I said, it's really sad that somebody would look at that and think that that's the actual, that's actually what's happening because <laughs> My my kids, my students, and the students that I know um, are taking it very seriously, and they have real issues, and they have real things that they're facing, um, and that might be one of the last things they're thinking about. And so if there's one thing I've found is that USC students 
are resilient and they are strong and they are smart as they can be. And um, together, I know that we'll pull through this the way that we pull through everything else. And um, I just appreciate you letting us come talk to you. Liv and Jordan, you guys also clearly exemplify the the spirit of the university. And I'm so grateful that you both agreed to be here and took time from your schedules to do it. Yeah, I wanted to quickly say thank you as well for having me on. Um, USC is near and dear to my heart. I have been here since 2012, which I just cannot believe. I'm originally from Pennsylvania, but USC is where I found you know, my home, my community, my, my best friends, you know, my fiance, everything. And I just owe everything to USC. So I just wanted to say thank you. And I am really blessed to be able to help the university in any way that I can. So, you know, go Cox. And um, can't wait to be back with everybody in Williams Bryce, hopefully soon. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much. And thank you, Shannon, for inviting me as well. Yes, thank all of you. Um, thank you, Shannon, for inviting me on to here. I, you know, I am a big one to say yes to any opportunity. So, and especially when it has to do with the Gamecocks and USC. So, um, I absolutely love my time at the university, and I'm living in Virginia now, but I'm I'm missing it. <laughs> so yeah, um, my mom went to USC, so I knew that I wanted to go there as well. Um, and thank y'all so much for having me on as well and for listening to my story. Thank you to Liv for sharing your story. And it was really great to meet you. And um, yeah, thank y'all so much. Thank you, God. And we hope that you have a great day. And thank you for joining. You know that you're always a part of the Utah family in South Carolina. Carolina is not going anywhere. So, <laughs> so come back. That's right. <laughs> I got this two hours and four minutes. Yes. All right, go cops. Thanks, you guys. Of course. Have a great day. All right, you too. Bye. This podcast is a part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.